Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Keith Randall. I am Mike Austin. And I'm Rob Fanouf. And as you heard, we finally are at the point where we're doing an Elf Army review. And so we had to find the guys that are the most arrogant. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but guys that play high elves at a very high level. Which comes with a certain amount of arrogance. Exactly, exactly. Keith and Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Uh, so let's start just real quick. What do you guys been up to in the hobby? I mean, you play elves, so there's probably not a whole <laughs> lot of hobby talk. What have you been doing in the hobby? Uh, I just went down to Discover, I guess, two weekends ago in Atlanta. Did a tournament there. Hobby-wise, I've been working on some forest wardens. I think they're important for 2019. But other than maybe touching up some of my manic army that I uh, that someone else put together for me for Adepticon, I haven't been doing a ton. Spoken like a true elf player right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been working on a five-and-a-half-month-old baby, so therefore I've been working on absolutely nothing Kings of War. Yeah, I went to Masters, uh, and I haven't done anything since. I have no hobby time. I also just moved, so that... Whew. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, don't move with a five-month-old baby. Terrible idea. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been working on much, but looking to get back into it now. Uh, really excited about COC-19, trying to get back on the on the game here. Well, as I alluded to in the opening, we're going to get into the Elf Army review, and uh, we're going to do this one just like we did the Dwarf one. We'll do this episode with Mike and Keith, all about the gaming side or what's on the table, and then we'll come back in a second episode with some more hobby guys, it, it, that, that's if I can find hobby guys to play elves. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not us. <laughs> Keith, why don't you start us off? Give us an overview of the Mantic Elf Army. So the Mantic Elf Army is a little bit different than GW's. It's not quite as, you know, old civilization in decline. I mean, they still have the same uh, fluff-wise. They still have the same we are the great civilization and we may or may not have been involved in destroying the world. Those probably the humans' fault. It wasn't really the elven fault. But they still have vast cities and significant populations, and it doesn't seem like they're a dying race in Mantic as opposed to as opposed to in GW. I thought we were talking about gaming here, not fluff and story. <laughs> I, uh, Fine. <laughs> um, I mean, elves are elves. They're always going to be elitists. That's yeah. that's what they do. That's about as much as I know. And as an elf player, that's not the deepest hobby guy or the deepest uh, background guy. That's about as much as I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. So gaming wise, uh, elves are the elite of the elites. I mean, they usually the smaller armies, more expensive units. Um, they hit harder. They hit faster uh they fall apart to sustain combat so that's that, that's kind of where they're at in the in gaming wise what's the motivation for the army mike you want to take that one i mean from a fluff standpoint i'm not how am i supposed to answer that i don't <laughs> i think it means what's your motivation for playing the army? why 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 i play it what's my motivation for the army yeah yeah yeah, what, what draws me to play in the Army? I, I think Keith kind of alluded to it already. They are, 
as much as people complain about elves, they're a finesse army. They're good at a lot of things, but they're not, you know, unstoppable at everything. They, as much as people want to hate on them, it takes a lot of tactic to play them. You have to be careful with them. They're not the best in combat. They're good at shooting, but if they get into bad positions, they are in a very bad situation. Um, they take a lot more skill than I think a lot of people realize. And I, I just really like the idea of the elitist jerk <laughs> version <laughs> of an army. And they, they really are good at it. So that's, that's kind of what gets me in there. Yeah, and I, I'd agree. I think it's a, it's a lot more of a scalpel army than, uh, than a hammer army. Uh, you really don't want to charge unless you know you can win. And, and getting that understanding, that feel for the game uh, with the fast yet really, really breakable army. Uh, is is a challenge that I enjoy. Yeah, they're 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 very finesse tactic. It's it's not just point and click. Uh, you have to make the right decision at all times. You make a bad decision, the game's over immediately. Right. There's not as much redundancy as some of the horde armies, or even even some of the harder hammer armies, where it's just oh, you hope you took out my one unit of mountain sun, not its suns. Here comes yeah. my other unit of mountain sun. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's give people your cred. Obviously, you guys played elves for a while. Touch a little bit on. Your experience with the Mantic Elf Army. So you want us to come off really arrogant in this section. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you got to tell them why they should listen to you. Yeah, well... Um, I mean, besides finishing second at Adepticon. Right, right. Well, this year I finished second at... Not second. Uh, <laughs> fifth at Adepticon. Uh, third in battle for what that's worth. Uh, I'm also the reigning uh, best elf player in the United States coming for Masters <laughs> wow, because... Wow. Uh, because I played Twilight Skin. Mike played Twilight <laughs> this year, I have a one and one record against Mike. I feel like we're on something of an evil playing field. I guess that's it. I'm usually ranked like number two in the Southeast because I can never beat the Sons of Vulcan. Um, but that's about it. Over to you, Mike. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, my third place finish at Masters was the Twilight Kin. Um, <laughs> Traitor. I know, I know. But uh, I did win a Keystone GT with Elves. Um, kind of put myself out there with elves from the beginning I, I started playing elves before i knew what the game was and uh pretty much immediately people started complaining about me so i guess that's worth <laughs> something um people hate me and hate elves and they blame me a lot so i think that's uh, enough of my street cred right there and both you guys transitioned from warhammer with elves is that right oh yeah 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 i mean i played a lot of bretonians and empire in warhammer but uh, I, sp- I spent a lot of years losing with wood elves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it must be nice to come to an army where, wow, it's, Have it's a chance. pretty Have good a chance. if you play it right. Yes. It's true. Yeah. Well, let's jump into special rules. Obviously, the, the elf is a good army. So uh, that'll we'll get more into that down the road when we start talking about allies. But they've got some special rules like battle hardened, which is all the <laughs> units have elite. Is that like the, the best special rule in the game? Yes. Hands down. Hands yes. down. Not it's not doubt. even close. I thought the Ogre's Brutal rule was pretty good, but yeah, Elite's got to... I mean, that's that's just ridiculous. I mean, if you think about Ogres against Elves, too, like, Ogres just don't win against Elves. It's an incredibly hard matchup for them, and so sure, you got Brutal, but you're going to melt. Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think Elite's the most powerful um, army rule in the game, without a doubt. Uh, Vicious is the only thing that comes close, but then you have thing like things like uh, Bane Chant and Heal and... yeah. Suddenly it just turns the tides. And you're rolling more dice with rolls to hit than you are with uh, rolls to wound. So you get a better opportunity to excel. Uh, Add that to their higher rolls to hit with melee shooting. And and it just, it stacks. It's it's unbelievably good. Uh, Nothing competes with it. You look at other armies that have, you know, maybe very inspiring as their army special rule. It's like, (laughs) sorry guys, 
Yeah, I mean, that, that, else for very, very inspiring. Like the Kingdom of Men is not a bad thing. No, Correct, it's neat. but it's not elite. It's not no. winning any games. It's right, keeping a unit alive an extra turn. That's and it. Then, the army special rule of elite, like elite, is a multiplier for any artifact you take on a unit. Yep. So you can add vicious. So then they're really rerolling all ones, or you can have plus one hit. So they're hitting on twos and rerolling ones, and just the value to some of these items. It just creates complete bubble of consistency that's the yeah. biggest thing is you you eliminate that that terrible role where you just stack a bunch of ones you know like i can't tell you how many times i've, I've rolled my 20 dice with my archer horde it's like oh look there's eight ones that's too right. bad okay turn that into seven hits and it's just <laughs> it, it eliminates inconsistencies so drastically it's demoralizing for your opponents too. and that too that's, <laughs> There's a reason people have called me the dream killer. <laughs> they also have this rule, the Elven Saber Tooth Pussycat. I've never uh, heard of that. I mean, does anybody use it? I mean, Mark and Harry those companies. Yeah. I am a convert. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it? It's a one-use item. Um, only indiv- individuals can take it, except the BSB. It's 10 points. And it's five dice. Hits on fours, which you get to count your elite for. It's piercing one. And for every wound you do, you get to reroll it. Or you get to do another attack. So I've... Adopted Princes, which I will uh, talk about later, but just giving them 10 points. There's turns where the Princes just kind of sit there, and they can either charge into some stupid troop, or they can throw a cat at it and probably kill it because it's defense 3, and you're going to hit it like 12 times. You can, And I should say, you can only throw it at troops, war machines, heroes, and monsters. So even a defense 5 thing, you can do like 4 or 5 wounds on it with barely consistency, consistently. And it's 10 points. It's amazing. Yeah, I've never taken one, nor will I. I'm telling you, give it a shot. It's I'll amazing. Try, I'll try it, but I just think there's a lot of better things to do. I have a little pussy cat. But it's, so it's a multiplier, too, when people are rushing individuals up at your archers to, to blink on them. You can throw two cats at that person, and you can hit them with Alchemist Curse, and you can shoot at them, and like, they're going to die. So it, it's, it's amazing. So what you're saying, Keith, is... You're a convert, and we will start seeing more of these from elf players in the future. I know Joey's Joey's been preaching. Joey doesn't get credit uh, for anything here. Come no, on, he's man. he's been preaching the the saber tooth uh, as well. So. Yeah, Joey also preached salamanders for a while. Let's see how that went for him. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the units. That's the meat and potatoes of this army review so what we're going to do is just like in the other previous ones we're going to just give you the quick spiel on each unit keith you want to start us with these are your favorite guys right the kindred tall spears kindred tall spears they appear in every army now uh speed six uh melee four plus defense four plus uh the troops have 10 attacks the regiments have 15 attacks and the hordes have 30 attacks uh they're 10 12 nerve 14 16 nerve 21 23 nerve and then they're 100 points, 140 points, and 230 points. And they have the phalanx rule. Woo! Does that come into play often? Ah, uh, I mean, yeah, it does one more thing nowadays, right? It you strips nimble if you punch someone, and there's maybe more thunderous charge around. But if I can spend 20 more points to get a horde of archers, I'm going to spend 20 more points to get a horde of archers, even naked. Because all these guys are doing is they're sitting there as an anvil. And archers can anvil too, and they just also are devastating to range. Mike, your favorite unit, the Palace Guard. They actually are my favorite unit. Palace Guard, speed six, melee three, defense four. Uh, troop has 10 attacks. Regiment has 12 attacks. Your nerve on a troop is 11, 13. Your 
breakdown on our Nirvana Regiment is 1517. That's the key right there. And your troop cost is 105, and your regiment cost is 150. Where's the horde? No if shit. only. If, yeah, uh, if I would. Only. Six hordes every game. I mean, I would, I would spend 270 points on a Falskar horde. Oh, they're easy. Abs- well, and they got Crushing Strength 1, which is great, yeah, Crush too, right? 1. Yeah. These guys, I've, I've been touting these guys for long before I ever played <laughs> in the tournament. People were always hating on them. They're absolutely fantastic. They're always good. They're even better when you uh, want to run the Green Lady formation uh, with some Tall Spears and give them some regen. They're, they're, people do not appreciate them enough. They catch a flank. They will one-shot most units in the game. They're coming in with that melee three with elite on a flank. 24 attacks. Rerolling ones. <laughs> I, I've had plenty of times where I'm like, all right, 24 attacks. Here's 22 hits. Crush one. Pick up your knit. Goodbye. They are fantastic. Anybody that does not think they're good is crazy. I do want to point <laughs> out somebody Somebody made the question on uh, Facebook here before we jumped on, asking if they needed to be defense five. Do they need to be? No. If they were, would they be broken? Yes. And yes. I would love that. But they are so good as they are. Take them. If you've never taken them, take them. I've, I've talked about taking an army of, of six regiments of these guys before. I think it would be fantastic. <laughs> so I, I agree they're good, but I've only ever used them a handful of times uh, just because I don't. I mean, I, I, I like my regiments. I like my smaller point units to also shoot, and they don't. <laughs> Spoken like a true elf player. <laughs> they, have a, they have a role now. Mike, how do you run them? Do you run mostly regiments? Regiment. I always run regiments. That fifteen seventeen nerve is is so good. People come in with like a, a regiment of their own, whether it's cav or whatever, and they think they're just going to pop them. And those guys stick around. They come back. They they punch hard. Um, they stick around longer than people think. A lot of people do run them as troops, which is not bad. You catch a flank with a troop and bring in twenty attacks, crush one. It does a lot of devastating things. That speed six. Uh, a lot of people aren't prepared for. It. They can get in the right position most of the time. But I'm I'm reg- regiments all the way. For forever, for sure. Both the Kindred Tall Spears and the Palace Guard are part of this formation, the Honor Guard of the Green Lady, which costs 40 points. And uh, the formation is one horde of Kindred Tall Spears, two regiments of Palace Guard, and one Green Lady. And then each unit in this formation, except the Green Lady, is granted the Regeneration 5 Plus Special Rule. This seems pretty good to get 5 Plus Regen on these three units. 670 points. Oh, sure. It's yeah, incredibly that's That's a situation where I will take the Tall Spears. I'm, you know, Keith touched on not taking Tall Spears because you can take a Horde of Archers, but you take Tall Spears uh, at 230 points with Phalanx. And defense 4 is not great, but you put a Regen in there. Uh, you give them either Brew of Strength or you give them Hammer or even a Brew of Sharpness and they start doing some damage and then you're healing them up with Green Lady and you got Regen. They can do a lot more work than people are ready for. A lot of people just see Elves and they think, shoot, shoot, shoot. The, that uh, formation with the Palace Guard and Tall Spears, it, it does a lot more work in combat than people are ready for. Keith, have you used that formation before? Or uh, just not really your style? You're more of an archer It's guy. not really my style. I like Speed 10 and I like shooting. So, Well, Keith, you want to get us into the next unit? The Kindred Glade Stalkers? Kindred Glade Stalkers are movement six, range four, melee four, three up armor. Troop has eight attacks. Regiment has 10 attacks. Troop is 10, 12. Regiment is 14, 16. They have bows, pathfinder, and vanguard. And if they had stealthy, they might be worth it. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I've heard people discuss using them, and they can surprise you in combat because they're still hitting on fours, and if they sneak up and get a flank or something... And they're shooting while you're coming, but they'll just melt to any sort of counterfire. And I think you said at some point, Mike, you stick a 
plus one to hit on the regiment and get some, some early yeah. cheap shooting. But yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I mean, but it's it's so two hundred and five points. Yeah. So many points for that that Vanguard and the Pathfinder, and they just don't have enough shots. I mean, I like to think of them and compare them to uh, a Dwarf Ranger regiment or troop, mm-hmm. and, and dwarves have those extra two attacks, um, which makes a huge difference. And they have crushing one. And right? they have the crushed one, so yeah. it makes and them defense a combat four. prowess. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah, these these stalkers. I love the idea of them. They just don't quite work. They're too expensive. They're too soft. They don't put, up, uh, put out enough damage. Um, I, I just can't justify using them. They are part of the second formation that we're going to talk about, the Kindred Border Guard which is 30 points, and it is two regiments of kindred tall spears, two kindred gladestalker troops, and one elf prince, and each unit in this formation is granted the vanguard special rule. Have you guys ever used this formation? No. Nope, nor no. will I. Yep, it's good. Uh, regiments of tall spears are worthless, and then vanguarding does nothing. The gladestalker is already vanguard. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say, you already have better vanguarding units in your list, or in, yes, the, in right. the army. Exactly. Right, so. yeah, it's, Let's it's get just, closer with my crappy units. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work. It's, it's cute, but it doesn't work. Why don't you get us into the Sea Guard? All right, the Therenian Sea Guard, you have a uh, regiment and horde option, speed 6, melee 4, range 5, defense 4. Regiment has 12 attacks with a nerve of 14, 16, and the horde has 25 attacks with a nerve of 21, 23. They're a shooting unit that also has phalanx. They come in at 170 points for the regiment, 280 for the horde. Um, I, I see a lot of people taking these, saying they're good at combat, they're good at, at shooting. I disagree. I think they're bad at both when you have uh, a horde of archers that does uh, better with the shooting and does almost as well with the combat. I'd rather the better shooting and uh, still be able to finish them in combat because 20 attacks on fives, uh, is still good with elite. I just don't see a real practical use of these Sea Guard. I think um, you're better off taking either spearmen or archers and being actually good at what you're trying to do. Yeah, I took them for both siege and masters because I was blatantly ripping off Tom Robinson and uh, I was gave him nimble and I ultimately ended up being underwhelmed because nimble's great. They can move and they can still hit on fives, but cover just wrecks their. Yep effectiveness at range and i agree you can save 30 points take a horde archer stick nimble on them yep. they'll still get punched in the face and survive and it might try the five up melee with elites can surprise some people because you can just spike some dice and if you get a bane chain off on them or something yep. i mean i've wavered basuzu so many times going into my archers oh, yeah. just like hey and shoot past them <laughs> yeah they just don't cut it. They're just not good at either. I'd rather either the other units to take. Keith, I think you got to talk to us about archers because I know you're a uh, <laughs> you're a big fan, uh, as I've noticed. Every uh, high elf or elf player, there's no high elves anymore. Uh, well, you well, they all they all. Let's be honest, they're arrogant enough to be high elves. It's true. Uh, the horde of archers, uh, speed six, melee five, range four, defense four, which is great on archers. Uh, attacks for a troop is eight. Regiment is 10, Horde is 20, uh, Nerve of 10, 12, 14, 16, or 21, 23, coming in at 115, 150, and 250 points. So take one, repeat if necessary. I like how you started off by saying, let me go ahead and share with you the Horde of Archers, as if there was no other choice but a Horde of Archers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever played a troop or a regiment? And is there a role in the army for one of those, those size units? I've played a regiment. Uh, with the plus one to hit, uh, which was kind of nifty. It can sit on an objective and is, it might be ignored if they're going after your 
your horde, but I don't see the point in playing a troop. And the and value behind a horde is just insane. That twenty-one, yeah. twenty-three nerve. You can take a punch from a lot of units. You know, people bring their flyers out to to mess with you and. Arc Fiend or Dragon, they suddenly come in with their 20 attacks, melee 5 with Elite, and they're putting 5-6 wounds on things, and uh, they, they last so long, they continue to do damage. If they're live, turn 4, 5, 6, it's bad they're news. just lighting up the table. This, the, the Kindred Archers are the meat and potatoes of the army. Yeah, and meat I, and potatoes. I often find that they're also a trap. Yep. If you set up right, everyone is obviously terrified of these are like an open shot of piercing kindred archers because obviously you come up piercing so they'll just throw stuff at them and then if you have responses and reactions to that you can you just you can predict where your enemy's going and react to it so it's and if they don't go there you're like okay i'll just shoot you more they give you absolute board control uh speaking to items as you did you always take the piercing unit but do not underlook the uh, wine of elven kind on them yeah. Having a horde of archers that can move six inches, pivot twice, and shoot on fours. My horde of elvenkind archers pretty much always ends up in the center of the table. Whether it's dominate, pillage, you know, push, loot, whatever, that, that unit is pushing the, the absolute <laughs> maximum of move and shoot because they are so powerful and people are scared. You, you really get absolute board control from that unit. What's the magic number of hordes? Two. You could... Uh, I, I, <laughs> You can do fine with one, but you if you only have one, you need other supporting units that also shoot. Because um, the problem is, if you only have a horde of archers, you're going to be shooting at chaff for two or three turns, and that's a waste of their abilities. Um, shoot a chaff maybe one turn, maybe two, but if you're shooting a chaff for three turns, you're, you're going to be drowning in bodies. And what magical artifacts? Obviously, uh, the piercing is good, but what, what, I mean, what do you guys typically put on these guys? Piercing or nimble are really all you want to be doing. Or naked. If you're not going to do either of those, just take them naked. They're still naked. Well, when you guys want to jump into the next one, Hunters of Wild? Yeah, I'll jump into this unit if I can remember what it does. Let's see. Uh, Hunters <laughs> I like it says, this unit is not elite. Yeah, and therefore I do not take it. I'm elitist <laughs> snob for a reason. Yeah. All right, Hunters of the Wild, they're basically the dryad equivalent, right? You got a troop and regiment option. Speed 6, melee 4, uh, no range. What's the point of taking an elf that's not in range? Uh, defense 4. Now, the nice thing is you got 20 attacks with the troop, 25 on the regiment. Your nerve on your troop is only 10-12. At 135 points, your nerve on your regiment is 14-16. 190 points. Special rules are Vanguard and Pathfinder, but they do not get elite. Um, so these play a very specific type of elf army. With the Vanguard, the Pathfinder, you want to pre play a you know, cute little forest nymph army. Um, this is one of the ways to do it. Their nerve is just the biggest problem. It's just it's too low for for such expensive units that uh, they don't have crushing either. Without the elite, they're just inconsistent. Yeah, hitting um, on fours. Hitting on fours, yeah. The, the troop is cute because you can get some real surprising damage out of just a measly little troop, but at 10, 12, they just disappear from everything. So they just... Yeah. Just and don't quite so cut it. Expensive troops so at 135. Expensive. Yeah, basically the equivalent of like dwarven berserkers on foot. And when was the last time you saw somebody actually take this? That's probably like a Mike Rossi thing. About <laughs> it. I don't even. Th- I don't even think he does it. That's how bad it is. Right. <laughs> I'm assuming neither one of you guys have ever ran these hunters of the wild. I ran them at Nashon circa 2016. 
Yeah, oh my gosh, like the so first Kings of War event? like That I went to, yeah. Yeah, I ran them back in the day, but then I realized how to play the game. Right. Well, the next unit we've got is infantry. It's called Battle Cats. It's out of Clash of Kings 2019 book. It only comes as a troop. It's 7 speed, Malay 4, defense 2 plus, 10 attacks, 10, 12, nerve, and 80 points. Its special rules are it's height 0, it's nimble, it's vicious, it does not have elite, and it does have crushing strength 1 versus height 0 units only. Ah, uh, is this a unit that people just wanted a, a reason to take cats or what? It's it's too fast for infantry armies and it's too slow for speed armies. And it's defense too, so it's just going to melt. I, I've thought about them just for like cheap unit strength, which sometimes elves need, but take a forest warden. Take literally anything else. Yeah. I wish they weren't infantry. If they were cav, I, I could get behind them. For some reason, the fact that they're infantry just bothers me. <laughs> And there's, there's my fluff for you. Battle there cats you should not be infantry. Well, let's get to the next one. Which one do you guys want to jump in? Four shamblers. I love this unit. Uh, it's regiment. It's a large infantry. It's dictated as a regiment and a horde. It's speed six, melee four, defense five, nine attacks as a regiment, 18 as a horde. Nerve is 14 fearless for a regiment, 17 fearless for a horde. 125 points for a regiment, 190 for a horde. Got Crushing Strength One, Pathfinder, Shambling, Vanguard, and it is not elite. Um, but in an army that sometimes struggles for unlocks, 125 points of something that can go snatch a loot token is a regiment, two unit strength. It's it's a godsend at times. Defense five. Yeah, four shamblers have really stepped in to fill a role that elves are missing, which is some cheap unit strength. Some resiliency. That defense five dash fourteen is, is so annoying to deal with. Uh, I remember first time I might have even been against you, Keith. I changed yeah. a unit and I was like, "Wait a second! I just sent a whole regiment of something at them and didn't do anything." Yeah. Those regiments are really just such a bang for your buck. Not a lot of people running hordes just because you don't get that bang for your buck. Um, the regiments just are so efficient. They're chaff, but at the same time a threat. Uh, you know, they don't do a lot of damage, but they're uh, their role from a scenario standpoint is is invaluable for an elf army for sure. Yeah, you can set them off to the side to go get a token or a loot token or a objective marker, and they won't just fold to some long range shooting late in the game. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. run the? Uh, I know the like the, uh, the the vanguarding forest shambler army that I've seen with tree herders and stuff. Is that a thing you guys have tried out? I've seen it, played it, and I'm not sure it's super effective. It's, yeah, gimm- it's gimmicky, you know. It's something like something Tim Smith would run. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, it just the offense just isn't quite there. Crush one with melee four just doesn't quite do enough. Yeah, you know the, the real damage dealers from an elf army are the shooters and, and your your more elite units. Um, four shamblers just, you know, hunters of the wild. We just already talked about. You just don't don't put out enough damage. I remember flanking with a regiment of four shamblers one time, thinking I'm going to put the pain train on somebody and I was like, Oh wait, no, I just did like two wins <laughs> or three wins. Yeah. So it's like whether you Vanguard and get their turn two or not, you just aren't killing anything. It just doesn't yeah. quite cut it. Now you can do an army where you take six regiments of forest shamblers and then you take three dragons and three ancient dragons or greater dragons and, and, and laugh. That's I don't know if thing. it'll be any good, but you can do that. <laughs> You'll piss some people off and that's what we do as elf flares. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's touch on this other unit. We, there's a, a legendary version of the Four Shamblers. When do you guys want to take tackle that? Yeah, so the Awoken Guardians are a legendary unit. They're a Four Shambler horde. 
Uh, same stats with the speed six, melee four, defense five, 18 attacks, same nerve at dash 17. Uh, these guys are 215 points, so 25 points more. Uh, but for that, you get a life leech two. And in addition to the crush one, you get mind thirst as well. So you're pulling the enemies. They're still shambling. They're still vanguard. Uh, they're still not elite. I really like these guys in theory, but I just don't think it works with what the elf army is designed to do. Life leech two on a defense five dash seventeen is awesome, but only being allowed to take one horde of them just eliminates the effectiveness. If I could take multiples of them, I think it'd be a really cool army. Uh, but having only one of them just doesn't quite cut it. Yeah, I'd love to see this in the nature army with their uh, forest shambler formation. So you take forest amber formation, and you take these guys and take a bunch of other shambling stuff, and that could really cause some problems for people. But in the elf army, there's just no synergy with them. Uh, Stormwind Cav, starting to get the units that I actually consider taking. Uh, <laughs> it's a troop, troop and a regiment. It's speed 9, melee 3 plus, defense 5, 8 attacks for the troop, 16 attacks for the regiment. Nerve eleven thirteen and fourteen sixteen points one hundred forty for the troop two hundred fifteen for the regiment comes with thunderous charge two. So these guys hit more than you think they do. Just with the elite again on on defense three and the thunderous charge two, it can cause some serious problems. Speed nine means they're faster than a lot of cavalry. I think the biggest place that they suffer is their nerve is just a tick lower than other cavalry, other elite cavalry, and. Like, if you compare them to Basilian Cavalry, they're 15, 17, and they have Iron Resolve, and then they can easily get Elite in that formation, and I just don't think the Stormwind Cav stands up. Yeah, and then Basilian also have the Headstrong, too. Yeah, yeah. Stormwind Cav, are, they are good. They do pack a punch. The Speed is really nice. I historically took a regiment of these guys with uh, Brew of Haste. Have a Speed 10 Cav yeah. unit coming in with 16 attacks, melee 3. You're pretty much putting down 14 hits, usually. Uh, with Thunders too, uh, you throw a Brew of Strength or a Main Chain in there, and they they can hit hard. But at fourteen sixteen, they just waver too easily, and then just they're out of the fight. You know? yeah. Well, that's interesting because Stormwind the Stormwind Cavalry are the linchpin of the King's Champions formation, which costs yeah. twenty points, and it's two regiments of Stormwind Cavalry and one Elven King mounted, and then each unit in this formation is granted the Headstrong Special Rule, and the Elven King in the formation increases its melee to two plus. Have you guys ever tried this? Uh, I haven't, but I hear good things about it. Yeah, I've got I've got a list actually uh, built around uh, this as one of the the factors towards it. I think it makes their cav a little more consistent. I love the Elven King with melee two and elite. Mm-hmm. Um, makes him a, a really good uh, candidate to to go yeah. punch some things. You give him skull pull or something, and he's yeah. coming in and doing three or four combat rather round. Yeah, yeah he, he can be real powerful. So. Uh, alluding to the the Joey Greek, I know he ran it at Vanguard. Was pretty happy with it. He did pretty well. I think it's a good formation. It definitely takes care of the. I don't want to say it takes care of. I'd much rather than be fearless, but the headstrong <laughs> helps. The TC only without a crushing. They're just not totally. They just don't hit that hard. I mean, that's cap in a nutshell for you. But um, it, it's decent. It's decent. Is this the best formation? Yes. I, I still yeah. think the Green Lady one's better personally. Oh, uh, well, that's fair. Uh, it's it's close a one a one b and then trash. I guess we should probably talk about Adam Ballard's favorite unit. Yes, band of my existence. Um, go ahead, Mike. All right, so we got the Silver Breeze. Um, Silver Breeze come as a troop only. Um, they are speed ten 
fantastic. Melee 5, range 4, defense 4, which is great. A lot of people aren't ready for that. They uh, come with 7 attacks. Their nerve is 11, 13. They're 145 points. They are uh, equipped with bows, and they are nimble. They are fast cav to the nth degree in Kings of War. Yeah. They are extremely good at what they do. You want a? You're not going to find a more elfy unit in terms of how they are designed. <laughs> they are fast, annoying. They're delicate. They're impactful. They take a lot of skill. You use them poorly, they're the worst unit in the game. You use them properly, the best unit in the game. Um, they are expensive, um, but they can be absolutely uh, impactful to the game for sure. I think there's some hard counters to them too. Uh, unfortunately, I know Adam ran into Brad at the Masters, and, and you know, I thought he had a decent shot at it, but if Brad can just rip off, or if any counter-shooting army can just rip off three or four units at a time, that's that's dangerous. And then I, Adam was mentioning on the Facebook post you made beforehand, and I think he's he's right that it's, it's going to be tough in 19 with things like Blizzard and Critter's Call. Because yeah. you can and just sit back with a Blizzard Mage. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can sit with a sit back with a Blizzard Mage and you put three wounds on him and drop, you know, ten on him. It's like, oh, hey, I just killed that thing. Or you can blow up a Blizzard and do eight wounds. Yeah, they definitely lost some of their impact uh, with Cog 19. They, they can still be used, right? I mean, I know yeah. Corey Reynolds ran a, a obnoxious and obnoxious army of elves that ran like three troops of these and the, the legendary one we're going to talk about here in sure. a second. And, it's obnoxious. If if you don't have a way to deal with it, they will pick you apart very slowly. Yeah. Well, is is Corey obnoxious or is the list obnoxious? Both of them, absolutely. Okay. No, I love Corey. That's a prerequisite <laughs> for playing elves, though. I think. Yeah, Correct. yeah. Tell me an elf player that's not annoying. They don't exist. <laughs> well, let's talk about this legendary version, which is the bane of my existence. Uh, yeah. So the Windborn Silver Breeze Cavalry. I think everyone has adopted the Golden Breeze moniker uh, that I think Adam may have coined. They're coming as a troop, speed 10, melee 5. They have no range stat, defense 4, 7 attacks, nerve 11, 13, and they are 170 points. They are elite and nimble, and they have the wind blast, wind, windborn arrows, which is a wind blast 8 spell, and for each hit caused, you move the target and then you roll the damage. So they're essentially bows that shoot 18 inches that always hit on 4s and also push with you. With elite. With elite. <laughs> This is the bane of my existence. Like, if, if you have the second turn with these guys and you're playing any kind of pillage token thing. But in 2019, these guys are in trouble because what am I going to shoot my Blizzard Mage at? This 170-point unit that's going to annoy me at the end of the game. So I will kill it in two turns, and there's not much you can do about it. Unless you want to hide it from me, and you only range 18. Let me ask you guys this. You got Silver Breeze Cavalry. How much are you guys taking in your list, typically? I used to t- I, For a little bit of 18, I took the Windborn, uh, but I dropped them towards the end of the year. I just... Can't justify it. Yeah, I tried it early on, but as soon as people figured out how to answer against them, they knew they had to actually put, like anybody that realizes how much of a pain <laughs> they could both be, they're just like, okay, I'll, I'll commit a lot to just killing those, and then you're out a lot of points and a lot yeah. of effectiveness in that game. And, and I see pretty much uh, elf players either take none or they take a bunch. Right. Yeah. And I and I guess that's that's a that's a theme in King's War sometimes. Well, yeah. if you think about the elf army and and I don't know if this is a, a good time to bring it up, but we don't have any monsters in the elf army. So, you just have your units and then you need to use your unlocks for either war machines or characters. And I know Mike likes the war machines a little better than I do. I don't love the war machines, so I need unlocks for characters and I need a lot of characters. 
So I can't be spending 170 points on a troop that's not going to give me none. Valid point. Well, Keith, I know you're a fan of Dracon Riders. Uh, I love this unit. Is it Dracon or Dracon? How do you go? What's what's your pronunciation? I, I go Dracon. Mike, what's your pronunciation? I'm trying to think Dracon. Dracon. I don't know. I think I say both. Or does it matter? It's just win? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the unit that pisses everybody off. That's what it is. It really is. Yeah, so Dracon Riders, Regiments and Hordes, Large Cav, Speed 10, Melee 3, Defense 5, 9 attacks as a Regiment, 18 attacks as a Horde, Nerve 12, 14, or 15, 17, points 175 and 270. And they're Crushing Strength 1, they have Fly, and they have Thunderous Charge 1. So good. And how many units do you, I, you take? Two? I take two. I think, Mike, you only take one? I, I've done both. Early on, I would take two, and I'd get myself in some terrible positions trying to double charge with them and then getting <laughs> stuck and all this stuff. That was really early on. Two is certainly effective. Uh, I think one can be effective. It really, yeah. th- these guys really dictate how your army is going to play. Because you are going to take them. If you don't, then why are you playing elves? And um, when you do take them, they're going to dictate how your army goes. It's it's going to determine what the rest of your list is doing because they are the absolute hammer. They have speed. They have decent defense. They're they, they're just the full package. Items make them infinitely Epic. better. I mean, they they you want a unit that benefits from. Items the best in the entire game. I think they are it. Yep. You throw a brew of sharpness on a unit, they one shot literally anything. You put caterpillar, they have the most mobile unit in the entire game. You give them brew of strength, and they can grind any unit in the game. I mean, they're just they're absolutely incredible, without a doubt. I think the best unit in the game. I could debatably say. I think they're on the on the list of the best horde large cab hammer unit in the game. They are a little more glass-like than some. You know, you yeah, get three, you get three or four wounds on them. I'm with you, but you like get three or four or five wounds on them with shooting, and they could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you have um, to be careful. And they're still elves. Yeah, and and they do play. They play a very important role, whether or not you're taking one or two, which is a deterrent. People, when you're playing elves, have to come to you because if they don't, you're just going to cut them apart. But they have to know that if they come at you, you're choosing where your Dracons are going. The synergy between one of the heaviest hitting hammers in the game and some of the best shooting in the game is very difficult to handle. Alright, so we got hordes of war chariots here. Um, is their speed? Their speed should be plus one too also, right? <laughs> nope, not anymore. Oh, really? I'm out of touch. Sorry, guys. So we got, a, we got our war chariots, speed eight, melee four, range four, defense four. Uh, you got your regiment with eight attacks and a nerve of thirteen fifteen at one hundred and forty points, and then you got your horde at sixteen attacks, your nerve of sixteen eighteen and two hundred fifteen points. Uh, these guys are great with uh, what Keith was saying earlier. If you're only going to take one horde of archers, this is a good supplemental uh, shooting unit with sixteen attacks and still range four is extremely powerful. Uh, they can shoot while still threatening in combat. Still a melee four, you know. Take your Sea Guard unit that people think are somewhat good at both. These are, are better at both. Yeah. Uh, this is the and they're high three and they're, they're high, high three. three. Yeah. They're they're extremely good. Yeah, they're a big. They're a big template. You know they can get flanked easily, but uh, I think you you go caterpillar on these guys every time. It keeps their combat prowess uh, forever a threat. Um, their their shooting prowess is there. Um, they they're just they're super diverse unit. They they do it all. Most yeah. popular unit in 2018, you think? Absolutely. 2018 for sure. Yeah, yeah. without doubt. 
you could uh, put nimble on them too, which is nice, even though they, it's a lot expensive unit for only two unit strength. Uh, I have found in 19, I'm using regiments because they're only 15 more points than shamblers. They don't have as quite as huge a footprint, and they give me that unlock that I need, and they're still just plinking eight shots on things. And you can still punch someone in the face with eight eight attacks. Uh, just another thing you got to eat through before you get to my main line. It's it's pretty pretty good. And we're going to get into War Engines, and I know, Mike, you are a fan of at least one of these units. Yeah, not the first one we're going to talk about, but... <laughs> they used to be popular. I did run both throws early on. They had some practicality early on, but then I learned the ways. So let's go both throws real quick. <laughs> Speed 6, just so everybody remembers, you can't march with them, nor can you go over obstacles. That's a rule most people forget. Range 4, Defense 4, they have two shots. Uh, they're 10, 12, nerve, uh, 90 points. They're blast D3 with pierce 2. So you have two shots with range 4 and elite uh, that do blast and D3 with pierce 2. So they're decent. They do have that long range. What is it, 48 inches, I think? Yeah. <laughs> you should know this, right? Um, they are reloaded, so you cannot move and shoot. They just don't do quite enough damage. Um, as a Wood Elf player, I came over to the Kings, and I was like, finally, I got bolt throwers. And <laughs> I was expecting, like, High Elf Peter bolt throwers are just light things up, and they just don't quite do that. Yeah. You have you have so many other units that do long distance uh, shooting that these just don't really have a place. They're they're good with that longer range, but they just don't do enough damage to really force the game in any way. Yeah, and why take something with reload when you have all those other shooting? You like have so much else that's so much better. Exactly. It would have been cute if they did come with like a nimble or something like that. That might have been been something worthwhile, but they just they just don't quite cut it. Now, meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and move ahead here onto my my babies here, the Dragon Breath. <laughs> I like to give myself credit for really finding these guys and putting them on the map. Um, so Dragon Breath, it's a war engine. It is a breath attack war engine. It's speed 6, range 4, defense 4 with 15 shots, 10, 12, nerve, and 90 points. So the same cost as a bolter, but the absolute key is a speed 6, 15 shots with elite. You have an 18-inch effective range. You have elf archers that are threatening people at, at distance. They want to get in close to you, and then suddenly they have to deal with Dragon Breath that are... I historically used to run three, and I'd run Oof. them in tandem. Here's 45 breath with elite. Uh, they just wipe units off the board. The other thing that a lot of people are not ready for is we use them as chaff. With speed six, they can get in the way. People get close to your archers and suddenly have to spend a turn fighting a dragon breath. If you have three of them, then you got two more that shoot them along with archers, and they have to go fight another one. They're just they're so practical with that speed six. They're they make other breath weapons look terrible, especially dwarf uh, breath weapons <laughs> with their speed four. That two-inch range just makes all the world a difference. These guys are absolutely amazing. Well, compare them to a horde of boomers in the ogre list, right? Uh, these are 90 points versus 230, I think. Yes, the nerve is lower, but you only have three less attacks. And they don't pierce, but you have elite, so... They're 90 Sure, points. They're so right. good. I, I would take two dragon breath over one horde of boomers. Yes, sure. They'd win, they'd win that fight hands down. And especially you have an extra drop for 90 points. This is probably the cheapest drop you're going to get unless you want to take Battle Cats for some reason. But <laughs> Forest Warden? All right. Settle down in your Forest Warden over there, buddy. <laughs> These breath weapons are just so good. I mean, I remember the first time I took them against Alex Chavez, and <laughs> this is really early on, but I moved three of them up against his uh, Brock Riders and 
wiped a unit off Oof. the board. <laughs> it was like, whoa, those things are something. And it was from that point on, I was like, yeah, these are good. They are really amazing. Absolutely. Do you usually keep them back by your archer units? You got to keep them back. That's, that's I think, the biggest mistake is people get so antsy about trying to get them out there and get shooting with them turn two and three. Save them till turn four, five, six even. If they survive to turn six, they will absolutely annihilate the entire game. They can sit in the middle of the board and just light things up, wipe them off the board. They're the best cleanup unit that, that elves have. You don't want to shoot an entire horde at somebody. You just throw a breath into them, 15 attacks elite. Here's four or five wounds. Get off the board. I guess it's time to get to some heroes. Keith, you want to start us off? Elvin King. He is speed six, speed nine mounted for 15 points. Or sorry, 20 points. He is melee three, defense five, five attacks, 13, 15, 120 points. He's crushing strength one. An individual and inspiring. He also has the saber tooth pussy cat option. <laughs> <laughs> the real key. Yeah, and you can mount him on a horse for not for twenty points. Which 20 do points. you guys? If you're gonna take him, I guess you would obviously every time. Yes. Every Put time, him on a horse. Right? Yeah, for sure. But do you uh, guys don't? Do you guys don't run this guy very much? Do you? I don't. I know Patrick Justice does. I know people that run the formation are starting to look at him now. He's kind of a beefy individual at thirteen, fifteen, defense five. He can. He will always do two or three points of damage, especially if you give him, you know, mace crushing or bladed slashing. And he's he's inspiring, and inspiring can be kind of expensive for elves. So he has utility. I just think he's twice as expensive as princes, and you might as well just take princes. He's he's way too expensive. Yeah, I, I ran him historically the bladed beast slayer. Yes, decent, but five text doesn't quite cut it. Um, right. You know, the lead makes it decent. I, I think him in the formation with the Cav makes him viable because that melee two with Elite, you know, you're getting basically five hits every time that puts him on par with the Brock Berserker Lord who's got his eight attacks with threes. So you're coming in with that five hits, which is, is pretty solid. His real problem is that Crush One just isn't quite enough. I wish if you mounted him, you got a Thunderous yeah. One as well. Yeah, I think that would have made him way better. And you're paying that 20-point a cost for the cav, which normally comes with something like that. So it's kind of uh, a little bit off that it doesn't, but he's okay for what he does. And like Keith said, get an inspiring character in there. Elves do have a little bit of an issue with finding inspiring in the list. So he has a place, I think, but he's just not great at anything. Uh, Elvin Prince, speed six, melee three, defense five, five attacks, 11, nope, 13, nope, three attacks. I'm sorry, three Stop attacks. Cheating. Stop yeah, cheating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 11, 13 nerve, 60 points. Crushing strength one individual, you mount him on a horse for fifteen points to make him speed nine, and you can take a cat for ten points. I had run these guys at seventy five points, super cheap for the elven army. They are a pain in the ass. They will basically guarantee to ground a flyer or even defense five flyers. They will take a punch from other chaff. They could take a punch if you're lucky from you know disordered cavalry pretty well. And I think if you give them cats. That you can use this 85-point unit to take out a gargoyle troop or reach over a unit and throw a cat at an army standard bearer or a mage, and you can just cause all sorts of problems. And these guys are just so aggravating for your opponents that they're the quintessential Elfie unit. So I can't speak to actually using them before, but I will say in playing Twilight Kin, most recently I was running the Twilight Kin equivalent of this. Uh, they have... Basically same stats, but instead of on a horse, you can put him on a Pegasus, which makes him scoring. Sheesh. Same general idea. He's a scoring one flyer. And that defense 5, 11, 13 
ruins people's day so <laughs> hard. I, I went out in front of like a dragon and they just kind of whiffed and they had to spend three turns fighting this stupid little mm-hmm. 100 point item. Elven Prince does the same thing and just hearing it from you, I, I do see the value of the, the Sabretooth cat to him, especially with that speed nine and the cat range of 12. You have a 21 inch yes. effective range. Somebody's got a troop of gargoyles at 20. You can still go pop them. Um, it's, gr- it's great. And 85 points, it's as cheap as you're going to get for, for elves. So I see the value. I, I think the three attacks is a little lacking, especially mm-hmm. you come in, you know, you get hindered, and you're trying mm-hmm. to down a flyer or monster or disorder or cav or caster. Three attacks doesn't really give you that guarantee. It's not quite as good as, I think, like a Basilia Abyss who has the four attacks and the vicious. Mm-hmm. It's it's decent. I, I just That three attacks is just a little off-putting to me. It's a little bit of a deterrent. Now, the Noble War Chariot, which is our next one here, I am a huge fan, absolute huge fan. You got your uh, large cav hero character here. You got speed eight, melee three, which a lot of people aren't ready for. You have your range four, defense four, four attacks, 11, 13, and 90 points. They do have shots with bows, and they're thunderous too. Uh, I think this is one of the best units in the game. You have scoring unit. Once they got nimble with the updates, um, they can do so many good things. They've threatened from a distance. They can clear out some chaff with those four attacks. They're still elite. They catch a flank. They do damage. They're thunderous. Like they just, they're the most diverse unit I think that uh, elves have. And having that extra scoring for so cheap, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, I think at eighteen when they were speed nine, they were amazing, and mm. there there wasn't a ton of magic that I really wanted to use. So a lot more of my character slots or, or hero slots were open for these guys with the interstate options in 19 for magic i take i find myself taking more mages and then the forest warden because he can take other spells and i think that's it's it's yeah. limited their their utility yeah i think that's testament to me being out of touch of the game right now so i, I mean, they're still good i just don't think they're yeah. they were amazing in they were next guy is the master hunter uh unicide or individual Speed 7, melee 3, range 3, which is awesome. Defense 4, 3 attacks, 11, 13, 90 points. He's got a bow, he's got Pathfinder, he's got Piercing 1, Stealthy, and Vanguard. You can also give him a cat, but I probably wouldn't do that. Does anybody take this guy? I used Mike? to take him a lot. Yeah, I, I took him. I, when my, I played Mike, and he had an inspiring one, I think. Yeah, I used to run with was a nifty, Talisman. It's a 110 little... points. You know, you got 3 attacks, range 3. Pierce one, he's he's more effective than a lightning bolt five yep. um, character, and with the pathfinder speed seven, you could do some shenanigans with the vanguarding up and getting turn one charges. Stealthy individual, you run him into the woods, nobody's going to bother shooting at him. Playing against Jeff O'Neill, he's the best unit I've ever had in the world. He was he was just sniping little war machines, and he, he's a very tactical unit i don't think he's right for every list but you play him right i think he can really annoy that of your enemy and that's why he is an elf yeah uh if there was a short period of time especially at, like high point values 250 2500 points i would run him with the uh exploding item yeah crystal pendant because you can't shoot you literally can't shoot him off the table and he yep. will just sit in front of you and with 11 13 he's not always going to die so it's yep. really like you're charging in trying to kill him he's like i'm, I'm not dead yet yep. he's, he can be kind of funny and he's still melee three too with elite, so he's he's yeah. putting hits. He can down down some flyers. He can disorder things. He can kill a troop of gargoyles. He's he's very diverse. You know, I think he's 
does a lot of good things. He's a Wood Elf player. I love the idea of him. I wish he got more use. There's just so many other good units in the Elf Army, it's hard to take him. Speaking of which, that brings us to the next character, the Elven Mage. So you got your hero, speed 6, melee 5, defense 4. You got 10-12 at a base price of 75 with a base spell of heal 3. You have the option for Lightning Bolt 5, which is great. Uh, you have option for Wind Blast 5, option for Fireball 10, and a Bane Champ. And of course, you can mount for 15 points, uh, and you can take a Saber Tooth Cat as well. God, do I miss the days of Black Iron Crown and that Bane Champ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at, the, at the same time, in, ni- in 19, Alchemist Curse 10 on an Elite Mage on a horse will just wreck your day. And then now the blood boil is a spell again, and you don't take an item to get it. Yep. If you if you pair those two things together, you just no one's gonna want to get anywhere near you. Yeah. Um, and then they have heal just to go in around two. And honestly, even with Bane Chant two, you're you're pulling off piercing a third of the time. Yep. And then if you're around to give Bane Chant, basically guaranteed Bane Chant to a Drake on horde or something, they can just cause serious yeah. problems. And and this this unit right here, the Elven Mage, is the reason that Elite is the best special rule in the game because you're you're taking all those spells and giving them a lead it just absolutely crushes the spirits of your opponent when you when you roll a bane chant you roll snake eyes and people start to laugh and then you laugh back at them when you get to re-roll both of them and you're pretty much guaranteeing it it's yeah. it's it's harsh it's so harsh yeah i mean you can put blizzard on these guys too and elite with blizzard is is a pretty epic conversation yeah, yeah. can't go wrong uh so army standard bearer which is our only cheap source of inspiring. Yep. Speed six, melee five, defense four, one attack, 10-12 nerve, 50 points. You can put him on a horse for 15 points. Uh, this guy shows up every once in a while on a horse with a diadem. Otherwise, I think he's there's better, better. I think he's still good the loot. loot. Yeah. I think he's still good the loot. That's about it, though. Yeah. Unless you're taking Argus Rodnar. <laughs> Which my my first rendition of Elf Army included Argus Rodnar, by the way. He looks me, interesting if you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Let me go ahead and share this with you people. He is a legendary infantry unit that's on a 50 by 50 base for some reason. He is speed zero. That means he doesn't do the entire game. He's defense five and dash 13, which means he's hard to kill, but why would anybody bother killing him? He has a special rule, the Altar of the Elements which I'm not going to read the whole thing other than saying he can grant inspiring to a unit anywhere on the table. That's what he does for 50 points. Or he inspires a unit anywhere on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And what I said. So I said grant. <laughs> he inspires one unit on the table, but you have to choose it on your turn and hope that the next turn it matters. And for 50 points, why not just take a BSP? Worst legendary in the game. Yeah, this sounds like a, I need to make some rules for a model that we made. Yep. Do they do they make a model for this? I don't know. They have a model, yeah, of a guy, an elf sitting at like this table. It almost looks like he's playing chess or something, or divination or something. And sounds worthless, just like the appropriate unit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. I'll let you do the uh, Green Lady, Mike. I know you're yes. a big fan. Yeah, Green Lady can't go wrong here. So you got legendary hero, uh, speed ten, no melee, no range, defense six, uh, no attacks. Nerf 14, 16, 200 points. I remember being a little newbie and being like, what's the point of this? Uh, <laughs> she flies. She has heal 8. Don't forget, she's still elite. She's an individual with inspiring. She's Pathfinder 2, which is so much more important than people realize. When you can fly into the woods and totally jump block some huge unit, 
with Pen <laughs> 6 and they don't have Pathfinder. Oh, so annoying. And she's got regen because why not? And to satiate Keith's greatest <laughs> desire, she can pick two Sabretooth cats. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well. So, she's fantastic. Anybody who's never used her with an elf army is insane. The value of Elite Heal 8 is insane. She also can take um, a Wild Guard uh, unit for 20 extra points. She makes a regiment of Hunters of the Wild, which I've already talked about being terrible. Uh, she gives them Headstrong Regen, makes them decent, I guess. But more importantly, mm-hmm. she's part of the formation of the Spearmen and Palace Guard, which is a really, really good formation. She's healing, they're regening. Uh, even if you're not running that, you want to run a, a tree herder and you have her backing up. She's fantastic from a snare standpoint, which is what elves struggle with sometimes. So I, I don't think you can go wrong with her. I've never really used her. Yeah, you're crazy. Speaking of units I've never used, uh, <laughs> the next one is Lafayette Silverheart was Edge of the Abyss. She's a living legend. She's a hero uh, on foot. Speed 6, melee 5, defense 4, 1 attack, 11, 14, because she's kind of a night stalker, and 155 points. She has elite, individual, lightning bolt 5, mind thirst, surge 8, and vanguard. She kind of goes with the Woken Guardians, and she's kind of useless. I don't know anybody that ever uses her, though. I can only imagine if you're running, like, all the vanguarding formation, and you want to surge her up there with your vanguards, maybe, but she's still 105 points. She's kind of expensive, yeah. She's going to get her ass kicked. I'll jump on a Madriga, I guess. Madriga is Destiny of Kings, and now she's kind of worth it. Um, she's only elf only now, right? Like, she used to be, is you could use only. anybody, could use the Destiny of Kings as long as your alignment was correct. Yeah. But now it's specific. Yeah, so she's speed six, melee three, range three, defense four, three attacks. 11, 13, 110 points. She is piercing two. She's basically a master hunter, but she has an extra piercing, stealthy vanguard, pathfinder, and vicious. And once per game, she can fire one time at 48 inches with a D6 blast modifier that ignores cover. It's pretty good. So she's a master hunter on steroids with her 20 extra points. She's way better than a bolt thrower. Like she's that's I actually just, really good. I, I haven't seen the updated stats. And it's the piercing again, two, man. It's piercing epic. two and with range three and elite. Yeah. Forty eight inches ignoring cover. You shoot it individuals. Very well likely four. get yeah. a three up three hit for three D six. I mean I'm at, no, 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 no. It's one shot, so it's only one D uh, six. Okay, never mind. Still, like if you're taking okay. that last pitch shot, you know, late game, some stupid troop or something okay. sitting on something, yeah. I don't know. That's decent. Pierce 2 is good, though. Yeah. Oh, and she's vicious, too. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. It's nasty. She's got all the special rules. Yeah, that's she, actually she, nasty. She, she's totally worth it over on Master Hunter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Alright, Keith, go ahead. Alright, so... This is your guess, baby. Yeah, Forest Warden. Used to be worthless. Well, I mean, people ran them, but still but they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speed six, melee four, defense five, three attacks, 11, 13, 75 points. It's crushing strength two. I just noticed that. Uh, nimble, <laughs> pathfinder, vanguard, not elite, but it now has surge. Oh, I'm sorry. Now it has a melee of three up and it has surge three, which really amazingly 
but that gives it access to all the special spells, so you can park Blizzard and Blessing of the Gods on this guy, and he's amazing. That's 130 points of someone that can sit far out of the game, on an objective, hold a loot token, do whatever, raining fire down on your enemies. And he's cheap. And he's Blizzard cheap. really that good, though, honestly? Dude, play it. You, you've been a baby. Blizzard is amazing. You can spike it so hard with a loot. I, I played it literally like two days ago, and I was like, eh. What were you shooting at? Defense 6? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's so hyped up on these Forest Wardens. I don't know. I, I think the, the problem with them is them being size 2 is a little bit inhibiting, I think. You, Just means they can see over infantry to shoot characters yeah, behind but them. you can't see over other size 2. But it's not, you're going to put They're a nimble. blizzard on your type 4 ancient dragon? No, screw that nice. This is the best spot for elves with, with blizzard. In yeah. That. <laughs> and so, having had a, a mage, having had a mage with Blizzard blizzarded off the table in one turn, because she's only defense four and ten twelve, it's a much oh, better, I think better the force, place to be. Force Warden with the defense five and limit thirteen is absolutely fantastic. I give you that. Yeah, it's just I think people are putting way too much value in these spells to win the games for them. And I think with elves, it's probably better than some of the other games or other armies sure. um, because you have a lot of other supporting fire it's just another thing that's shooting and potentially shooting a lot so if you do it first and you hit two times and you get eight eight attacks and you do six wounds or whatever to a defense three chaff like okay i'm done with that i can now shoot something more important yeah all right we'll see what we play next (laughs) (laughs) all right let's move on to a a terrible unit (laughs) dragon rider lord everything you don't need and nothing you want so, large cav, speed 10, melee 3, defense 5, attacks 5, nerf 13, 15, 160 points. He's flying, of course. Uh, he's a crush 1, thunderous 1. He is inspiring. He is overpriced. He doesn't mm-hmm. do enough. He's not great at anything. He's a major letdown concern. He's got the term Dracon in his name. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he's only 20 points more than a king mounted, and he gets fly, like an extra inch of move, and thunder's charge, but it's still just not... He's whiffs so enough. often, he just doesn't, he doesn't threaten enough even if he hits a flank, it's like you know, if it's defense 5 or 6 he's, he's, he's whiffing so much he's just, you compare him to like an Uralohi, right, which is only mm-hmm. 20 points more, and does so much more so it's, it's, it's not even close Yeah. Well, and if you have the points don't you just take the dragon? Or a tree herder, or, <laughs> or anything. split into like two else. princes. Anything yeah. else, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll let you do the tree herder, my kind. I'm not a fan. So we got tree herder. Tree herder is a monster. He's size 4, he's speed 6, he is melee 3. He's got defense 6, which is great. 7 attacks, he's nerve 1820 at 260 points. He's crush 3, inspiring pathfinder. He is vanguarding. He does come with surge 8. Gives him access to uh, all the spells. I back in the day, I looked at him and I was like, seven attacks. He just doesn't do much. Uh, what's the point? This guy is an absolute boss when it comes to uh, scenarios. Your defense six and eighteen twenty is insane. I've run him historically with a green lady backing him up, and you need something for loot or push. He is 
as good as it gets. He's got access to all the spells now, and a size four with access to all the good spells is, is something that cannot be ignored. He is expensive, but in the right list, he can play a role that the elves do not have access to otherwise. He is an absolute anvil that most people cannot deal with easily. Him on a small base, you can't triple charge him. Anything double charging him is going to still have a hard time dealing with it. Him being Van or uh, Pathfinder gets in the woods, gets in the right places. He can be extremely effective in the game, for sure. Next is one of my favorite units, the Dragon Kindred Lord. He is a hero monster. Speed 10, melee 3, defense 5, 10 attacks, 17, 19, 310 points, crushing 3, fly, inspiring, and the most unjustified nerf in Cock 19. <laughs> Only 10 on the breath attack. With 15 breath attacks, I think he was easily the best dragon in the game because he Disagree. wasn't. Well, you think the Twilight, Twilight King? Fair. That's, that's a fair. That's that's a fair challenger. Twilight King's probably better now with the 10 breath attacks. But the other dragons just spent more points to do other things that they're never going to do. Like the Basilian dragon has heal. Why? Why do I have heal? And then the. Even the vampire dragon has surge and shit. And like I'm just spending more points to do nothing. So now I think the Varanger dragon or Chimera is as good, if not better, just because it's also breath attack ten and That's better nerve, and it's has all those special rules they can get. So he's hurt a little bit. I I still don't leave home without him. I'll slap roof haste on this dragon and just bend people's minds with 22 inches because they never remember it. I don't remember it when I'm playing Roof Haste, so, yeah. yeah I mean, Dra- Dragon Kindred Lord is, will, is, always has and always will be one of the best dragons in the game. Your 10 attacks with Elite just makes him super consistent. Uh, as with the rest of the Elf Army, items just go so much further with him. Uh, his Nerve, of course, it's about average for, it is average for a dragon, so it's the only thing that I wish he had a little bit of a boost there. Mm-hmm. Again, I think the Twilight Kin Dragon is better with that longer distance lightning bolt. Sure. Um, breath 10 can be effective in certain environments, but with elves, you generally want to keep as far away from the opponent as possible. Sure. That's the only difficulty with it, but if you can get around somebody and start breathing fire when they're expecting you to charge, you can you know do nimble 10 movement and just start burning them, and you just piss them off so bad. And that's that's what we do as elf players. So mm-hmm. he's extremely elfy. That's what he's designed to do, and he does a good job of it. And I know some people put Boots Levitation on him. I did that for a little while. Um, it's, it can be nifty. He was crazy with 15 breath. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's always but... good. I like the Vicious combo. I like the Elite Vicious, yeah. personally. I think that's great. Haste, like you said, is always good. I mean, he's he's just he's about as good as a dragon gets. Without and he's a de- he's an inspiring source, which is important. Yep. And he's also a deterrent because yep. yeah, he, not, he, nobody he wants dragon in the face. He plays the role of dracons that we talked about earlier. It's just a matter of whether you want the inspiring or you want uh, the, the powerhouse offense that dracon horde brings. So that moves us into a legendary version of the dragon, which is Tidarian Dragonlord. He's a speed ten, melee three, defense five. 10 attacks. He's one higher nerve with 1820. Uh, he's on the big base at 75 millimeter. He gets that breath 15 back. He gets the crush 4. Uh, he's still elite. He's very inspiring, which I think goes a long way in uh, an elf army. So he's 360 points. So you're paying 50 points for plus 1 nerve, plus 5 breath, and plus 1 crush. I think the 75 millimeter base with very inspiring actually has uh, a 
lot of value, to be honest. The bigger question is, if you would have put this guy in Game of Thrones, would that have improved <laughs> this season? There's no hope. I think he got a little hurt. 12 attacks was cool, even though he speed yeah. 7, um, but no more. Moving on to the Mystical Dragon Lord, it's also a 75 by 75, speed 10, melee 3, 5 defense, 10 attacks, 18, 20 nerve, 340 points. This guy is essentially the normal dragon, but he gets brutal, and then fireball 15, so... You can add other spells to him, but then he becomes a really, really expensive mobile firebase. I don't know how I don't know how I feel about this guy. I don't know if I'd ever run him. I'd probably run I mean, we, Tiberian we ta- over him. We were talking earlier about other dragons. I think I think right now, this day and age, one of the best dragons is the Basilian Ancient Elder Dragon. I think he crushes all three of these now. He has yeah. the Iron Resolve. He's got the Dash 20. Yeah, which is just crazy. He's got the twelve attacks. He's got, he is everything that I want from a dragon. And the elf dragon just kind of pales in comparison. I'm I'm kind of skewed away from the elf dragons these days. I think uh, the meta just doesn't really dictate the elf dragons as much as it used to. I think these are all decent choices, but I think there's better things out there. They don't win the dragon v dragon matchups as much anymore. They all have some cute antics about them, but they just they aren't the best anymore. And they don't even win the Dragon V Undead Worm because the Greater Undead or the Ancient yep. Undead Worm is epically good for it's like 260 so points yeah, or whatever yeah, it point is. Point for point, the Elf's Dragon just loses. Yeah, and then sure. you just you give that thing sharpness and you're like, well, okay, it's essentially a dragon for 10 fewer points. I don't yep. know. It's yep. just... Yep, agreed. Uh, I guess that's a commercial break and we will see you all after these messages. I'm Ronnie from Mantic Games and you're listening to Counter Charge. Welcome back to Counter Charge. And now let's talk Clash of Kings 2019 kind of summarize you you guys how does that book affect this army uh we go heavy magic we take all advantage of the elite and the new spells and it's it's hurt it's it they tried to hurt shooting a little bit uh where previous clash of kings you know the first one hurt flying and then the second one hurt nimble large cav and uh large infantry which just made both just made shooting better uh, and so they tried to add things that slow down shooting, but, you know, not everyone's going to take Critter's Call. And then us getting access to these, you know, Alchemist Curse 10, and Blood Boil and Blizzard is just, with the end you add in the Elite, it's, I think it just becomes, like, still a shooting army, but kind of a magic shooting army, which, which I don't know if it's really existed yet until this edition. I guess there were some early Lightning Bolt shooting armies, but Lightning Bolt's essentially piercing one. So, so... There's just weird magic that we can pull now that I think is, is where the army is going to head. Yeah, I think, you know, speaking to the value of Elite, which we talked about earlier, was, was spells. And they essentially just made magic better. So you take an army that has a special rule that really capitalizes on magic, and you made magic better. Boom, what did you do? And, and uh, you have your units like your Forest Wardens, which suddenly become one of the better spellcasters in the game, even though they're not designed to be such. And you have your elf mages that have potential to be easily some of the best spellcasters in the game. Um, yeah, you might cut back some of the shooting power with some things like Critter's Call and some of the other spells. And, you know, elves are definitely going to have to take into consideration some teleport antics and some Critter's Call and people getting behind the darkness curses. And weakness, I think, is really good against elves. But we're even better at that stuff than than anybody else. So I, I, I think elves are going to continue to 
to just be that army that's just really good when it's played right. You know, at the end of the day, there's always going to be people that complain about elves, but the reality is it's just because they do so many things well if you play them correctly. And COG-19 just kind of rewards that at the end of the day. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Elven Army has been ducking and weaving from Clash of Kings replacement, or Clash of Kings nerfing, and, you know, oh, we, we lost some speed on our chariots, so maybe they're not as good, but all our mages are incredibly better. You know, so I, it's like they give with one hand, they take with the other, so yeah. we're kind of always just, we'll just adjust. Um so and at the end of the day, it's because we have elite. Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. That's really what it comes down to is we can make anything work because we have elite. Right. What new toys did you give us that elite that elite makes better? Yeah, because no matter what they do that is designed to counter elves, elves are going to do it better than anybody else with elite. It, it really is just extremely powerful. And it's and not they, to say they're auto they're auto win because it still requires tactics that a lot of people aren't prepared for, but um, they have the tools to do it no matter what. And they, Clash of Kings 19 also nerfed, like, massed, crappy shooting by making some units irregular, and that was one of the hard counters to Elves. It's like, well, cool. Well, how do you guys play them competitively? Focus on speed 10 and shooting, essentially. Um, Princes is chaff, Shamblers is chaff, and then you have some Chariot Regiments, Archer Horde, two Dragon Hordes, and Dragon with, with a flavor of items throughout, and then just sort of duck and weave until I can land the, the heavy flank charge with Raycon Rider or something like that. And uh, that's, tech, that's, that's pretty much how I approach every matchup is if I can force my opponent to sort of channel where I want them to go, stay back while I'm shooting at them, and then if you can crisscross, it just it becomes a very easy game. Yeah, and I, you know, I hate to spoil it and then, you know, give out the, the trade <laughs> secrets, but like, we we want to pick our fights and and we want to always wait for the right timing to strike. It's it's about that coup de grace, as they say, you know, the finishing blow. Um, we we shoot, 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 shoot. We wait for the right time to charge, and and we make that decision when the timing is right. We're never going to. Uh, make an early drastic decision i think that's a an elf an early elf tactic a lot of people mis- make which is oh, i got this elite dracon whore they can go pop that unit but but then what then you lose your dragons turn three you're going to lose the game you you have to be selective about your your fights we have to be annoying if you're playing elves and you're not trying to annoy your opponent then you're playing them prob- <laughs> probably the wrong way it's about Picking and choosing and, and frustrating your opponent, making them make bad decisions. That's how you that's how you win games. Right. And the, and the, I would say that the most underrated move that an elf player can do is to move backwards. Back up, yeah. Because everybody thinks, oh, well, they're pl- you know, we're playing a scenario. If I if I get them backing up, I'm gonna I'm gonna win. No, no, we're gonna I wait until ter- I, I usually wait till about turn five to think about the scenario. And guess what? We're all speed six, seven, eight, nine, or ten. We can do it in one or two turns, and we're gonna win the scenario still. <laughs> so effective army composition. We've talked about a couple different ways you can build a list, but you specifically, how are you building your list? What's an effective army composition for you? I think a. Uh, a really diverse elf army is really what it comes down to. It has to be a well-rounded army. As much as people complain about elf shooting, nobody's running an elf gun line because it does not do well. Well, 
Yeah. But even that, though, I mean, you're still running a lot of fast units. You're still engaging in certain environments. It's, you know, you're at least chaffing things up in combat. Mm-hmm. You're not running six hordes of shooters and, and hoping for the best. I think a diverse elf army is really the way to go. You're you're really participating in every phase of the game, um, especially magic nowadays. And I think really what it comes down to is having those few select units that are good in combat so that when people do get to you because they think, I need to get to them to win – but you still win those combats. It's it's about having that selective combat unit or units that are going to win you the game. Yeah, I really do think the army is the best at shooting and the best at fast hammers, and everything else they do is kind of mediocre. So you got to find the synergies between the two things that you do better than anybody and sprinkle your flavor in and then play like an asshole. <laughs> that's that's Play true. like an elf. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interchangeable. All right, let's talk magical artifacts. What are some good combinations? What are the magical artifacts you need in this elf list? Every single elf army I've ever made has heart seeking and caterpillar. I, I, like, I just don't see a reason to not have it. Uh, unless you really want to go a straight combat army, maybe you don't have heart seeking, which elves can do. They're not the best at it, but I think it is a, a fun concept, especially in Cock 19. It's something that can be done, but. Uh, Caterpillar, I think, should be in every army list, no matter what, anyways. But um, I, I think if you are going shooting Elvenkind, I think a lot of people don't really give it as much attention as it should, as that's a scenario-winning magic item, or artifact, I should call it, that really does a lot for the table presence of the game. Yeah, I agree with those two, certainly for Arctic Hordes. I think the units that you're thinking about, what artifacts you want to take, are your main people that are doing the, the most efficient work for you, which is your Archer Horde and your Dracon Horde. And the Dracon Horde is really... I mean, I like to put Pathfinder on the Dracon Horde, which which I blatantly stole from Mike, because they can just move 20 and fly into woods, and it's great. And you need a unit to go get someone out of the woods, which is important. Um, and then on your on my second unit, I will do anything from Sharpness if I have the points, because then you're averaging 17 hits, which is ridiculous. Um, strength, Vicious... You know, Mesa crashing if you don't have a ton of points left. So, and I'll take them naked too. So, those are the, the two main units you want to be thinking about your your artifact combos for. Everything else, artifacts are great, but you're already elite. So, and and cats take cats because they're amazing. <laughs> Let's talk scenarios. Uh, generally speaking, which are the ones you want to play with elves, and which are the ones you would prefer not to play? Uh, I prefer scenarios that I don't have to move as much. So I don't like the token scenarios and that spread out my opponents because the difficult, the armies I have difficulty with are the ones that can sort of form up in a unit on a third of the board and show themselves down my throat. So if we're playing pillage or something that, that forces you to spread out or control, I feel better because I think my units perform better individually or in their combat units than yours do. But if I'm, I'm forced to go somewhere and you know where I'm going and I pick up something that slows me down, I'm not particularly happy about it. So I would probably say the loot-based ones and then dominate is kind of tricky sometimes. Yeah, I don't mind a pillage, a control. Some of the newer ones with tokens and stuff, I think we can do well. At the end of the day, we're fast. You know, I think that's one of the things that people overlook. I alluded to earlier, I, I generally play elves as a kill for four turns and then... <laughs> wait for turn five six and potentially seven for the scenario but 
you have a scenario like dominate and invade, it puts him in a really tight spot because I, I, I don't have a good chance of getting over the other side of the board. But sometimes people think a little too heavily that I'm bad at it. And it's, you know, just people are sometimes caught off guard when you when you run some of the more um, unit strength heavy units across the board and start surrounding them, getting behind them. And before they know it, you're actually in a good spot from a scenario standpoint. So I think people are, are sometimes underestimate what elves can do from a scenario standpoint, but dominate and invade are certainly the hardest for sure. I think raise is actually pretty good for us. Talk about a 19 one because you can start blowing stuff up on the second turn and we're so fast. We get out there so quick, yeah. Elves kill so effectively as well, right? That helps every scenario, really. If you can just kill them all, then... That's why I play kill. <laughs> That's why, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about some strategies for playing the army, the elf army against... Let's start with Malay armies. So my general theory is if they're slow... Um, it's going to shoot it over two turns, try to, you know, maneuver some flanks, threaten them, slow them down more, keep them from moving forward even, even more, and then just sort of tear them apart. So slow melee armies, ogres, uh, sometimes. Ogres are not slow. Well, defense six, I still consider slow. Uh, kingdoms of men, like a foot slogging kingdoms of men army, I just don't. Easy mode. Yeah, it really is. If they're. Speed four or speed five, speed six. It's it's really, it, it's just picking them apart. You can walk out of there with a pretty big win. If they're faster, you just have to make sure they don't all get you at the same time. Disrupt their charging lanes. Chandler regiments are great for that. Princes are great for that. Shoot, you know, target priority. Shoot fast things. Shoot, shoot chaff first, and then you can because they're probably not going to have a ton if they're an elite, fast army, and then you can sort of. Pick your charge of the Dracons and pray. Yeah, I think um, for the the slower armies and, and really just melee armies in general, I think it's important to try to split them up um, using your fast units, your Dracons, your dragons. You, you 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 have to be aggressive and pull them apart and make them worried about your your flank charges and your rear charges, and make them split themselves up. I think at the end of it all, you don't have a lot of chaff in an elf army. The chaff you have is usually what seems to be important units, you know, your, your mages, your BSBs, maybe your elf princes, which are as close to chaff as we get, but you have to really feed units at the exact, absolute precise right time because you're not going to win the combats. You know, as much as you have some good units in combat, you're not going to win them. So you have to really pick them apart and be absolutely annoying for three to four turns before you really engage them in combat. Melee armies are certainly the threat to an elf army, but you have to really play them slowly and patiently if you expect to actually beat them. Well, let's go to the opposite end. Let's go talk about shooty armies. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> so, Keith, you already alluded to the, the goblin spam, which was certainly a problem for elves and really everybody before COG-19. Um, you know, opposing shooting armies, I, I think I, I've run into some situations where people are running some 36-inch range shooting, which can be problematic. Uh, some dwarf type shooting sharpshooters, maybe some uh, uh, handgunners uh, with with four winds or something like that. That can be very problematic. Um, you have to be prepared when the timing is right to to move. I think that's why the elven kind archers are really important to be able to move and shoot. You really have to pick your targets very precisely. You have to know which units to shoot against, uh, which chaff units need to go down, when you need to start focusing fire on the heavier, meatier units. Sometimes you're going to have to give up uh, your combat units just to to win 
center of the board. You really need board presence with elves. You need to be in control of the game. If you're not, then you're going to lose. If somebody really has dominance of the board, you're going to lose. And poison shooting armies can do that to you if you are, are shy. So you have to really take ownership. Yeah, and I really think one of the biggest challenges for an elf army is the mirror match and then Twilight Kin because often t- <laughs> yep. oftentimes both of those lists are going to outshoot you and it's painful. They, I mean, you're only defense four most of the time. Your defense five units don't have great nerve. You really just kind of like focus your shooting on one, one half of the board and, and potentially rush with other stuff and it can get really tricky and really hairy. Um, I, my least favorite matchup is the mirror match. Yeah, it's, and Keith, you and I have played a couple of times, and I know we've both played Elves plenty, and it really does come down to dice rolls at a certain point. Yep. It's like, all right, well, who's got the better elite rolls? Who's got the better dice rolls? All it takes is that one turn. I mean, that's the whole thing about playing Elves, is you have such good shooting that if you get if you get that one good roll, you, you win the game, without a doubt. How about when you play elite armies? I mean, you kind of alluded to it if you're playing Elves against Elves. That's kind of a matchup. But there are a few other elite armies, right? Yeah, I mean, the Basilian double formation guys nowadays, the Behringer generally, I I really do think we do Elite better. So, uh, and if you're playing a combined arms, Elven Army, and they don't have a ton of drops, even if they bum rush you, you can hold up enough to shoot at the ones you want to shoot at, charge the ones you want to charge with your Graycons, and by the time they get to any effective heavy points unit, they're so wounded that you just have made just running in circles around them, you know, Alchemist cursing them to death. I think the, like, Beringer, Basilian armies aren't the best matchup against us. On the flip side, the, like, tanky undead armies that are just going to ignore your shooting unless you spike something. They got all the heal and the defense and regen, and you can't really go into their sides because they surge and it ruins the flanks for everything for everybody. So... That can be really difficult if they're a really good undead or Empire Dust player that are just going to ignore your shooting and sit on objectives and be like, well, you got to charge me. And when you yeah. charge me, I'm going to charge you back with eight units. Listen. And I think that's, I mean, I, I played Dustin Howard at Masters this past year on Grand Dust playing Twilight Kim, but basically the same thing, let's be honest. Sure. I think that's, that's one of those elite tank matchups you're talking about where it, it can be extremely hard. I mean, he, he was packing so much heal, so much iron resolve going on, you know, like... How do you how do you deal with that? You have to split them up. You have to get that board presence. You have to pull things away. You have to threaten flanks, rears with your flyers. Like that's where the elf army really needs to use its 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 army list. You know, those yeah. those dragon riders, the dragon. You know, even if you want to run the fast cav units, you have to be super precise and tactical because you're not going to win those easily by any no. means. But they have a chance against every single opponent, without a doubt. They have every bit of a chance against those armies. They they can be tough, but but they have a chance. You know, speaking to what you were talking about earlier with the Vanguard and Basilia, that 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 can be a field day, especially if they don't have you know fast chaff. They don't have individuals. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just. Here, have a BSB, have a you know Forest Warden, have a an Elf Prince, whatever. Here, spend four turns fighting this business while I just shoot one unit off the board uh, per turn, and then by the time Drake you get guns. to me, I'm hitting you with Dragons, and, and I'm, I'm wiping up the board at that point. So they have the tools to deal with those armies, like a lot of other ones don't. Um, but they have the tools to deal with every army too. It's just you know 
a matter of tactics. And I find that, that those like Varinger and Basile games can be, they'll either, my shooting will be totally ineffective and I'll get wiped off the table, yeah. or it's, it's going to be 20-0. Yeah, yeah. If, if, it's, if it's clicking, and you always know turn one, right? You're like, okay, I'm hitting on five because I had to move and shoot. And here's hits. 20 shots. And you're like, here's 12 shots. And here's eight wounds on your defense five. People are like, oh, it's going to be like that. You're like, yeah, it's going to be like that. I'm sorry. And I I, I feel bad because I did that to Sean Williams at uh, Siege of Augusta, I think, two years ago. I was like, oh, okay, here's, I need fives and fives. Here's 14 wounds. Get off the board. <laughs> And and sometimes those things happen, but that's that's where elite comes into play. You know, you have that that consistency, you have that that tool at the end of the day to to open up that can and just just ruin people's day. You know, it's they're just a good army. How about horde armies? <sighs> you just gotta peel the onion. You know, target priority, uh, strip chaff, focus fire on units. Blizzard can help this one a lot. Uh, you can spike a blizzard. Um, and your archers are going to have to do some hand-to-hand combat, probably. <laughs> yeah, don't be afraid to do it, though. You know, not, don't be afraid of the hand-to-hand and fighting a little earlier than you need to. Throw away some units. Um, I think Ratkin is the one I think about most, is dealing with slaves, dealing with you know endless amounts of, of either warriors and then shock troops and all that. Just You just got to pick a unit get it off the board because they, they're, their value diminishes with every single unit, and so you just got to... Pick one and get rid of it. And move to the next. So, what's the worst matchup from an army's perspective? I and mean, what what is the one army you don't want to see? And if you see it, how are you going to play against it? Uh, for me, it's undead, and maybe the mirror match. And for undead, it's you know, if my shooting's not not working, average or a little above average, it's going to be a really tough matchup. But you really got to just focus on the mission and don't get suckered in to early charges and. And it's it's just a tough, tough matchup. I think one of my worst is just because it's because it's Alex Chavez as dwarves, somebody that knows how to use their defense six and the alternative uh, defense for Brock Lords and um, their Sergeant can be extremely frustrating. An army with a lot of defense six can be very frustrating because you don't generally have all that pierce except in combat with your dracons, but you don't want to get engaged too early. Uh, that's one of the uh, matchups I don't exactly like. Um, any army with Basusu, for some reason I just I get anxiety. <laughs> so you got your abyssals and your uh, uh, obviously your abyssal doors. He just, he just messes things up. Good individuals can be very, very disruptive to an elf army. Um, but, and then of course, like he said, the, the, the mirror matchup is just frustrating because it's, it, it's the toughest game of chess you've ever played. It's so much back and forth. It's so much stress and just waiting for who's going to make the move, who's going to get that one dice roll that's just going to win him the game. Do you guys have any universal tips for playing against elves? You obviously know how to play with them, but what's the trick to beating the elves? Got to be aggressive. Yeah, some combination of hugging cover and just balls the wall charge. Yeah, it's it's easier said than done, but that's basically it. You have to you have to engage. You have to realize that we are fragile. Um, you know, once you start picking off some of our, you know, our, our dracons or our dragons, soften things up. I think that's one of the bigger things, and especially in this day and age with the the spells. You got your alchemist curse and your your blizzards. If you can soften up like a dracon horde, you know we, we're we're happy to charge. But if it's already got four wounds on it, it's probably 
dying. So right. uh, softening up is definitely the key. Is you just got to put some wounds on things. Because um, we need every single unit in the game to be able to win. Um, you, you take out a couple of those key units, and we're going we're gonna to have a tough time. I won't lie. Yeah, and, and similar to that, for the love of God, take some shooting. I don't care if they're the most balls the wall Varanger army. Take a Blizzard Wizard, take a Conclave, take something. Because there will be a time when, you know, you do 11 wounds of the Dragon Rider Horde and you don't kill it, and you don't even waver it, and it comes in and kills whatever attacked it, and it's just flying around, completely free to do whatever the hell it wants. <laughs> or you got one lightning bolt or something, we'll take care of it. So if you're, even if you're the most balls to the wall hand hand combat army, take something that shoots because we are fragile. Get into some questions that people have posted on the Countercharge website or the Countercharge Facebook page. So here's the first question Why would any self respecting general choose to play elves? Not self respecting. That, yeah. That's the answer, right? There you right. go. Next. That works. <laughs> So Adam Baller asks, how do you see elves evolving with the Clash of Kings 19? We touched on a little bit of this, but his specific question is, you know, specifically with new new spells like the Critter's Call that can shut down an Archer Horde. I mean, you kind of touched on that, right? There's a lot of extra long-range, cheaper shooting mm-hmm. that can shut you down, I guess. That's why you got to diversify your shooting, uh, whether that's take more than second one horde or you take double cherry regiments and some wizards. So you shut down my horde, and I'm like, okay, cool. I have other things to do this one turn. So Tony Nelson wants to know, how insecure must you, you be to play elves? Maximum. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, is it really insecure, though, if I have no shame? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Eric Town wants to know, are there elves viable without Dracon Riders? Uh, it would be nice to have some discussion on the importance of balance with the elves in regards to shooting versus melee. Both questions, obviously, in regard to Clash of Kings 2019. I know you touched on some of it, but specifically to this question, Dracon Riders. I know, Mike, you, you can... I mean, I know, Keith, you always have them, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've played without them plenty. Um, it's definitely viable. They're good, don't get me wrong. They're, they're one of the best units in the game, but I don't think they're mandatory. You you definitely need to compete in all phases of the game, though. So if you're not taking them, you got to be prepared to bring something else to do it. It's, it's very tough list to run without them, but it can be done. That's the short answer. If you're not going to take Dracon Riders, just play Twilight King. They do everything else better. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I've done. <laughs> so, Mike, is, is this a crutch that Keith is, is laboring onto and that <laughs> this is what's holding him back? What, not playing Twilight King? I, I'm the one using the crutch? I, I'm, I'm the one using a real list that wasn't developed by by people who didn't think of balance and just put it in their PDF because they can't come up with a real list. Okay. I thought, I thought you were an elf player, man. What are you doing? Stop blaming me for playing what's better. Jesus. Yeah, I, I think I don't. Th- I don't think dragons are a crutch. I, like I said, I've played plenty of elves without them. I, I still think they're a good army. I think Twilight Kin. Really, the only reason I like Twilight Kin. Uh, let me let me take that back. Here's two extra attacks. No, not even, honestly. I mean, that's cute and all, but it, to me, it's the, the Pegasus Dark Avengers, yeah. um, and then it's the Lightning Bolt Over the Breath. The, that's, the Lightning Bolt Over the Breath is the, the biggest thing to me. Is those dragons are effective from 24 inches compared to an elf dragon, which is, is at 12 inches. Um, but that said, Dracon Riders are... No. Dragon Riders are the replacement for those Twilight Kin dragons. They, they're so much better in combat. They have the the... 
scenario stance that that dragons don't have. So I I, I don't think Twilight Kin are the better choice. It's just what you want to do with them. I think that dragon riders are the better combat prowess, and they they feed to the elf army extremely well for sure. Our next question is from Robert Lee. How can elf formations be competitive? So we talked about the three formations. Maybe if you could speak to how you could use those three formations in a build, generally Actually, speaking. B- before we get to that, obviously, yeah. you just need to make a horde with two dragon riders and a dragon and give everything vicious for 15 points. That's the perfect formation. Uh, that, that would be competitive. <laughs> oh, wait. Is that, is that what you consider the uh, the heavenly? <laughs> yeah, no, or, or you can give it Basilians. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Just go play Basilians. Or just give, you know, Elite and Vicious in all the rules to the, to the Palace Guard. Sure, yeah. sure. Or make hordes with of Regen Palace. Five. Make hordes yeah, of Palace Guard, and then so. I, I just want to put on the formation thing. I, I I have made a list that that runs double formation with elves. I think is is actually viable. It's it's the Green Lady uh, formation as well as the the Kings Kings Champions. Twenty points, cheap. Yeah, you get headstrong in both regiments and knights. You get the King with the melee too. You cannot go wrong with the uh, Green Lady formation. Um, you have your you have your anvil with the the tall spears. You have your hammers with the, the cavalry. I, I think double formation is really like the cock nineteen thing to do. Sort of related to what Felix Castro asked is: If you're playing elves, do you consciously realize or subconsciously think about might not get a good sports vote? Doesn't matter uh, what I play, I'm not getting it, so I might as well play elves. <laughs> well, I'm actually a nice opponent, unless I'm playing know. elves. Uh, people, I, I really do think I have gotten good sports scores without elves. I've gotten decent sports scores with elves. I usually get mediocre to poor sports scores with elves. I do think when you're taking models off the table based on, oh, I hit you eight times with five ones, suddenly hit you 12 times, and I spike a wound roll, and then, you know, you drop your shooting is working the first three turns. It's just not a fun game to play. So when you're playing six rounds, you're going to have more fun playing someone you grind out with than the elf player who shot you and re-rolled a lot of ones and picked you apart with flying units. So I don't begrudge anyone for not giving me good sports. Kind of a joke to me at this point. Yeah, my theory on sports scores are, are very simple in that if, you, if you're playing to win, you're not playing for sports. And I, I don't I don't think you need sports scores to do well at tournaments. I, I came in third at one match, I came in fourth at another I don't know what my sports scores were because I don't care <laughs> because I'm not playing for sports scores. That's for other people to do. And if you want to play the game to, to be competitive, then that's not what you're all about. I, I've never been, <laughs> I've never been dinged. I just want to point that out, but I take the game seriously. Like I, I, I play cause it's competitive and yeah, I, I take into account the fact that elves, you know, and me are not going to get sports scores, but so be it. You know what, though? I, I think there's a there's a thing here where you could take the same list, doesn't matter what it is, elves or whatever, if you play it well and you're at the top tables, the people at the top tables are ready to play that. Yes, yep. yes. And they're going to they're gonna treat you with, you know, they're not going to be upset. Right. They're not, you know, yep. flip side, if you don't play it well, <laughs> yes. you are probably going to get punched in the face in sports scores yep. uh, because sure. the people at the bottom do not want to play. I, I don't, I don't want to say they don't want to play, but they're certainly not ready to handle right. the, the 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 filth, right? And, and sports for people at top tables is clean play. Sports for people for people who right. are at tournaments for a more social aspect is like social and having fun, which I totally appreciate both. But I and I so I totally understand if you have a better game against somebody else when I played you first round and 
everything was clean and we had a good time. I came with a, you know, crazy elf list and you were maybe there for the more social aspect. You don't give me a rest game. I don't begrudge it. I like to think that I'm a clean player. I think that's that's the most important thing that I can bring to the table. And if I get mediocre sports scores, so be it. Yeah, I, th- I think at the end of the day, I mean, sport- sportsmanship is a very finicky thing. And at, at the end of it all, somebody that brings an elf army is not somebody that's out there to get sports scores, nor are they somebody that would naturally get sports scores anyways. Somebody that plays, you know, Brotherhood, let's look at uh, uh, Spears. Kevin Spear, right? I mean, there's a, there's a guy that he's playing an army because he thinks it's fun. And look, he naturally gets sports scores. I mean, that's just, that is just the persona. The same, per, like, it, 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 it's self-fulfilling is the way I see it is. I'm somebody <laughs> that plays elves because I want to win. So therefore, I'm the type of person that's not going to get sports scores. And somebody that wants to play a fun army is somebody that is naturally going to get good sports scores. It, it's, it, it is what it is, you know? Hate me for it, whatever. But it's just, that's the nature of the beast. That's the way it goes. I get great sports scores when I play King of the Men. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> that's because people feel bad for you. <laughs> Glade Stalkers, would they be better and more viable if they were Defense 4? Yes. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's think outside the box here. Kings of War version 3 is coming down the pipe. What do the elves need? I know you touched on monsters a little bit, Keith. You know, yeah. You know, get on your soapbox. What would... What would improve the elf list? Well, so I I think it's solid now. As I heard some theorizing about shooting on fives with steady aim for archers, which I think might do a little bit to balance the epicness of an archer horde. Um, I think you need to make tall spears a little more viable somehow. Um, I would love to see some Dracon models. I know this has nothing to do with the uh, version 3, but... I think the army list is versatile enough that it will adapt to any changes. So, you know, as long as you don't take the lead away as the special rule, that the elves will be fine. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I would like to see more focus on their combat prowess. That, like, you know, glass cannon style of what elves should be. Um, their shooting, I think, should be good, but it should be selective. And, and I'm going to come out here and basically bash on not bash, but tell you that elves need to be nerfed. But I think the shooting should be a smaller scale, maybe not hordes, but it should be very selective, good shooting, better shooting in smaller groups. Hmm. And then their combat units should be should be better. Glass cannons, I guess, is the best way of saying it. You know, like tall spears being melee four. Like, I'm sorry, I just think all elves should be melee three. That's just like they're supposed to be the best skilled fighters in the whole universe, and and. It doesn't make sense that they should ever be four. So I think more elite uh, infantry would would suit them. Um, and then, you know, super elite casting and super... I think they should be a little more glass cannony. That's kind of my theory. Chris Capster's got a few questions. And, and one the one I want to hit on, because I think you've hit on the other few, but, you know, he mentions which legendary spells are you hoping to use in your elf armies? Uh, Blood Boy, Blizzard, Alchemist Curse. Enough <laughs> said. I mean, the other ones are useful, but we don't really need weakness because ideally we're not being hit back. Critters yeah. call. We'll just shoot off your shooters. Uh, Hex is more of an anti-elf spell than a pro-elf spell. Um, yeah, a lot of the legendary spells are anti-elf spells, so it's kind of like true. let's not get those. Let's get the ones that adds to what we're good at. And I think I think Blizzard in particular is up there. Alchemist, Curse, and Blood Boil are so good. 
But I think Alchemist Curse is a little too close range to really be the best fit. But I think uh, twenty one inches on a horse, man. Yeah, you still got to get twelve. But so something we really didn't touch on is terrain. I think the Elf Army is one of those armies that really is dependent on terrain favorably or not favorably, you know, a for mm. or against. I mean, obviously, you want to see no terrain, right? You want to see a... Yep. <laughs> I like water features. <laughs> exactly. Just talk, just talk about terrain, what you like to see, what you don't like to see, and kind of how do you go about thinking about using it to your advantage? I like to see shooting lanes of some kind, like a line of terrain down the middle, I feel like is, is not something you're going to be super happy about. So that's why dot deployment was was miserable for me for two tournaments because I just saw a line of terrain down the center and there was nothing I could do about it. Uh, so like chariots, <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> that are worse than the other chariots. Awesome. Reasonable shooting lanes are important. You're all you know you're going to be shooting into terrain, so you you know the terrain affects target priority. Buildings are important for hard flanks or for flank protection. Uh, I think we. We generally, like Mike was saying earlier, we we project board control, so you just have to add terrain into that calculation. So we can adapt to it. We're faster and we have longer range than a lot of people. So yes, it affects us, but I'm not sure it affects. I mean, it doesn't affect us as it, it affects us more than like undead or like stupid idiots that are just marching forward. But here's the way I say it: is I think we can adapt better than most because we have such flexible units. But if the train is in our advantage, we will absolutely annihilate the opponent. That's the way I see it. Is we can take the most advantage of a scenario in our favor, but if it's against us, we can still get over it okay because we have very flexible playstyle. Let's talk list for a minute. If a new player was to come to you and say, I want to build a 1,000 point elf list, what would be in the list? Horde of Archers, Naked, Drake on Horde, BSB with the Diadem unmounted, maybe a Mage with some fun spell like Blizzard. And then some forest shamblers gives you access to a lot of the, you know, all three phases and mm-hmm. can be kind of fun. Sounds like a broken thousand point list. I'm just saying. Well, there's that too. Can the elves make an unbroken list? Sure. Tall uh, spears, tall spears, tall spears, tall spears. And troops. Yeah. I, th- I think whatever the point size, I think you got what Keith already said. You could take a horde of archers, you take a horde of dracons, you take a mage, you take a BSB, you take some forest shamblers, you have a diverse army. You're competing in every phase of the game. An elf army needs to have a little bit of everything. You need to have some combat. You need to have some shooting, and uh, you need to have some some f- some, some fast hammers, um, without a doubt. But I, I don't like the idea of just having a one one trick pony elf list. I don't think it should be that uh, one sided because I think elves are a lot tougher than a lot of people realize. As much as elves get a lot of flack, there's not as many people winning with them as, as people think there are, and there's a reason for that. Well, I think part of it is elves do really well against maybe inexperienced players, Yeah. but once you play against a player that knows, it's the same deal with flyers, right, or mm-hmm. heavy shooting. Once you play against it and you develop a strategy, you can mitigate that, but new players don't know coming in and they just get shot off the table. Extremely true. And, and, and I, you know, you want to talk sportsmanship. You know, I, I really feel bad if I ever, and I haven't done this in a long time, but if I play against somebody who's like, oh, I've never played elves before. It's like, oh, there's going to be a lesson for you. And, and, and you know, situations like that, it, I'm not going to just go wipe them up off the board. But you do want them to kind of learn how to play against it because they need to know how to do it because it is it is a thing. It does take... Well, they're going to see a lot of them. Yeah, it's going to take some time to get used to, to playing against it. Um, it is it is a tough matchup, but it's not not a win. 
uh, once you know how to play against it, there are counters, and it's not an easy easy mode win either. I'm not a fan of allies, but I know a lot of people are. So if you're playing elves, what are the ally choices that you would that you would recommend? I don't care uh, what you're playing. Don't take allies. You cheapskate. Uh, I tend to agree now. The one time that I took allies was Cox 17, and I took a horde of lichens and three-piece packs. And that was awesome, but I can't do that anymore, so I'm kind of just... Elves do things better. I don't need allies. If you're going to be arrogant, you might as well be arrogant to the grave, right? I mean... Exactly. Well, let's pull out a list, and let's kind of break down a list if you've got one uh, that you want to talk about. Keith, you want to start us off? Sure. So this is the 1995. Uh, it's somewhat similar to what I brought to Debscon, but I just took it to Discover uh, recently. It's... Uh, Base is Kindred Archers with Heartseek Enchant, two regiments of Forest Shamblers, a Dracon Horde with Push and the Cow Caterpillar, a Naked Dracon Horde, a War Charrier Regiment, a Elven Mage mounted with Alchemist Curse, Elven Prince with a Sabertooth Pussycat, an Elven Prince with the Pussycat, a Forest Warden with Blessing of the Gods and Blizzard, and a Dragon Kindred Lord with the Brew of Haste. I think that's 1995. It does what you need it to do. You know, it shoots, it has a bunch of different plinky sources, decent chaff in the princes, and then decent chaff in the units if you need them. Two dragon horrors to do all your fighting damage, and a dragon to sort of scare people away. I really have come to think that elves do 1995 a lot better than a lot of armies. Once you got... Uh, except for an Adepticon. Shut up. <laughs> uh, once you start getting into, like, 2215 stuff, I think other armies are getting everything they need with extra toys, and I don't... I mean, that 250 points is useful for us, but I think... We're so tight and compact at 1995, 2000 that it's that it's a good points value for us. So, I mean, my list obviously it was a herd game against Chris Kapsner away from going to England at Adepticon, which was really just just me not being practiced with with pillage and being sad <laughs> and Chris being a good player. And then at Discover, I got second overall, so third overall, best general is number two. So, uh, it's done pretty well for me so far. It's really versatile. It's it's has a lot of answers. So I'm pretty happy with where it's at right now. Mike, over to you. You got a list you want to share? I'll go ahead and share 2250. I, I do agree with what Keith's saying, though. I think elves excel the smaller the list. But here's a here's a 2250 anyways. So I got two hordes of archers, one with the wine of Elvenkind and one with plus one piercing. I think that's an absolute staple if you're at 2250. Double palace guard regiments. I will always take those. Two hordes of dracon riders, one with the brew of sharpness and one with the brew of haste. The Horde of War Chariots with Caterpillar, two Dragon's Breaths, a BSB, or Army Stand Bearer, bear rather, with a, a Bane Chant, and another one with a Diadem and Dragonkind, and then two Noble War Chariots. So this is a much more unit-focused unit army. I got the two Dragon Breaths with a BSB with Breath as well, so I'm packing uh, 40 Breath with Elite. Uh, noble War Chariots with throw a little extra four-shot pings in there, there, there to deal with Chaff. And then between the Palace Guard and Dragon Riders, you have real can openers. A, a Dragon Rider Horde with uh, Brew of Sharpness can pretty much wipe out almost any unit in the game. You're coming in with basically 18 hits at minus two. You have a, a Bane Chant in the list in case there's something with high defense, and, and you basically give yourself the ability to, to one-shot anything in the game. There's Dragon Riders and a... And, situation where you're actually fighting an army that's smaller than you, you get around them and the game is pretty much guaranteed. The double hordes of chariots plus the the or double hordes of archers plus the horde of chariots gives you a total of 56 shots 
so that range people want to get to you. And then you have 40 breath for when they get to you, they just get absolutely obliterated. And then those dragon breaths, the BSBs, and the Nimble War Chariots are all chaff. So I have six units to throw away while you're actually getting close. And then the Palace Guard come in as the final round of chaff that annihilates things. So it, it, it strikes on every phase of the game. Um, it is lacking some of the stuff Keith has been talking about, which is the the spells. I, I'm not completely sold on them yet. I, th- I think the other shooting um, that Elf Spring is much more reliable, and I'm going to stick with that. Um, something to consider is forever going to be in the game, well, I want to say forever for Cock 19 at least, is those teleported Alchemist Curse units getting behind you. So I think the Dragon's Breath um, and the BSB with Breath is is key to be able to deal with those kinds of, of things. And I think this army just kind of uh, participates in every phase of the game and has a chance at any uh, any opponent, for sure. Because it's high unit strength, high drops, and tons of shooting, and still got the combat prowess as well. Going back to your list, is there anything cognizant of 2019? Is there anything you guys want to try or change in your lists, you know, things that, hey, I think this might work. I, I've got some ideas. I know you mentioned uh, a couple, uh, you mentioned a build, Mike, where you have a couple, two formations, but is there anything you guys are looking forward to trying out? Yeah, to touch on that double formation, if I can breeze through another list real quick, I, I think a combat a combat elf army is something I do want to try out. Um, I'll just run through this list real quick. Double palace guard regiments, uh, tall spears with brutal sharpness, 30 attacks on melee three is just no the leads. Just Insane. Uh, two regiments of four shamblers, two regiments of knights, one of strength, one with caterpillar, a horde of dragon riders naked, a BSB with bane chant, two war chariots, the king, uh, and then the green lady. So that's the king's champion and the green lady formations. The, the amount of combat that can be packed in there is, I think, going to surprise a lot of people. You still have the four shamblers for, for annoying chaffing, uh, the couple war chariots to deal with some chaff. Uh, the Elven King just annoys the people, and then you have all the regen and the Green Lady to to give you a lot of resiliency. I think, I think the multiple formation armies can do really well in Cock Nineteen. I I think this list has a lot of potential. I, I want to play it out against uh, some viable opponents, see how it does. But I I think really making use of these formations is is going to be something for Nineteen that's that's worth doing. I, I would much rather play Mike's formation list than his other lists, frankly. Um, <laughs> I just don't think there's enough there. But someone can make it work, I'm sure. So where do you think the meta with elves is going this year? I mean, last year you would say maybe the chariots was was all the rage, but where, where do you see us going this year? I think you'll see more people with dual or divergers just because of things like Critter's Call, and I think you'll see the magic multipliers. Um, yeah, I, I think spells, uh, I think the four shamblers, like Keith is talking about, people running multiple mages. I, I, I could see somebody running three mages and... You know, Alchemist Cursed, and then Blood Boil, and then whatever else they want. Maybe a Teleport to get one of those behind you and stuff. I think I think just really going heavy on the magic is, is where 19's going. For those new budding elf players, what resources do you guys have out there? Is there a Facebook page? Where can people go to get you know list suggestions and, and strategy and tactics? Uh, there is an Elves of Mantica Facebook page, which is fairly active. It's not, it's not the most active page. Steal everything you can from Tom Robinson. He posts his, he gets his list get posted to the from the British Masters, and he's obviously very effective with them. And then you know you can shadow lists all across the country now with all these matchup casts. Adam has good elf lists. Uh, Mike has good elf lists. You can obviously steal mine, though you're basically stealing Tom's at that point. Um, <laughs> so we've said Tom Robinson, Adam Ballard, Keith Randall, Mike Austin. What, give us a few other players that are playing elves at a high level. 
Patrick uh, Justice has, a, has a, had a unique take in 18 with a bunch of individuals and sort of knights and chariots and just sort of punch through you with a spear. Um, I don't think there's a lot of elves in the south. Joey, I mean, there's Joey, Twilight Joey Greek, is, Joey. Joey Greek is, is trying with them recently. I don't want to say trying like he's doing poorly. He's, he did well Vanguard, I know that. Um, Joey's a great list builder yeah. for any army he's putting together. Yeah, he, he, he puts together a lot of unique things. I think that's important. Um, Mike Zettelmeyer is another really consistent yeah. elf player. Um, They're all in the mid Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, mid we are we are kind of those guys. George O'Connell. George O'Connell is another elf player that's constantly evolving the elf list, um, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, but I think I, I think elves are really a I don't want to call it a flavor of the month type of army, but they kind of are. You know, talk to the people that are playing them and doing well. There's probably a lot of people out there playing them that are not doing well. That's the difficulty. But you know, talk to us. I, you know, I certainly am open to. I I love list building more than anything. If people would just like bombard me with lists and wanted input on it, I would be so happy. <laughs> That's like my my favorite thing, especially kids I can't play these days. So, guys, final thoughts on elves? Uh, if you're gonna play them, be prepared to be hated, but just accept it. Yeah, you, you do have to deal with a lot of flack, but most of it is good nature. To just accept it and have fun with it. I mean, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Well, awesome, guys. Really a great, great army review. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out tonight to uh, chat with us about the army, the units, and the tactics, and, and all that stuff. And I'm sure there's stuff we forgot, but, you know, that's for another day. Thanks Sounds for good. Us. Yep, thank you. Uh, it's going to do us tonight. Until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Welcome to Board Game Cave, Cave, Cave. And if you can't, if you haven't noticed, War King hasn't brought the Echo Machine back. Well, it is still over the Rat House where we had some recording at the Blue Sea Brawl. So you're probably still yelling at us. You're yeah. probably still yelling at us like, where's the Echo? So what are we here to do tonight? We normally talk about board games, but we got something we did different. We did the Mario Run, so. Well, we did do, yeah, you're right. We did a Mario Run, which is a video game. This isn't just and board games. we have something Cute. Nintendo to talk about tonight. <gasps> Nintendo Labo. That would be Nintendo Labo, L-A-B-O. At first I thought, that is insane. How do you mix a video game with cardboard? But it turns out, it works. So yeah. let's start with this. We got the variety kit, which has five different projects, right? And one we've only done one project. And there's one through five on the easy, on the, the easy. Difficulty rating. Yeah, and. For some reason, we went right up to number four. Well, that's because I knew you would enjoy that one the most, which was the house. Yes, and you just... I knew it. Now, when you open the box, first of all, the box was heavy. There's like 24 different sheets. Like, there's like three sheets just for one project. Right, it blew my mind. So much stuff. Uh, Now, you think about it, price-wise, a regular Nintendo game costs $50. Uh, or excuse me, fifty nine ninety nine, which is around sixty dollars, and this was like an extra ten dollars. Was it worth the price? So much. Yeah, I thought so too. 
What was interesting, though, is earlier this week, you were dissing Labo. Remember when you said, Labo's stupid, I don't want to... That's because you said you'd get it for my birthday because it's coming up, but I said you only want to get that because it's for you. But do you still think Labo stinks? In the end, I... Do you still think Labo stinks? No. No, you don't. You know why? I stayed up, like, to, like, midnight or something just playing Labo. That was on Friday night. Yes. Yeah. Well, why don't you talk about your initial impressions of what was in the box? I noticed something that you have not noticed. What's that? All Basically, you have these little marker stickers that you put on the little pieces. That so you're basically making cardboard pieces that are accessories like for the game. And, stuff. and there's little flag, little stickers, which I guess are Mar- they're called The thing said they were marker stickers. Marker stickers. So the, the cameras and stuff on. It, they're like sensors. Yeah, okay. Well, but what I noticed is that they were supposed to look like furniture, but you didn't notice that. Like, this looks like a table. That looks like a flower. And this looks like some sort of mailbox. Yeah. So. So why don't you talk about building the kit? It it took a long time. Yeah, well, you built the fourth hardest kit. But. What do you expect? Yeah, and also, talk about the, the way that they have instructions. You have it comes with this little thing. I can't stop turning it, but it comes with this thing, and you put it in the game, and then you it you can either like do load, play, make, and we press on make, and then you just choose the one you want to make. It's kind of like a Lego manual if it was a video, and you could spin it around. It's like one of those videos where you go on YouTube and you like. So like when you couldn't do Lego Dimensions, you had to find somebody to show you how to build it. Yeah. So you thought the the videos and stuff and the instructions were really good? Yeah. Well, you were, did. I mean, you built all this stuff. You built a house and a bunch of accessories for the I'm house. I'm a little builder. Right. So how was building? It was fun. Was it easy? No. There were some parts you had to help me on because I couldn't understand them. Right. Like the ones that were like circular. Those ones I uh-huh. couldn't get because that one was kind of round. All right. Once you got it built. And we put the thing together, and you added the Joy-Con to the chimney, and you added the I the switch unit to the I front of the house. Up, what? So what? It, talk about the house. What did it look like? And what? What? How did you play it? Like, what the game is about. So I love it because there's a really adorable little cat critter thing, and you can do a bunch of stuff. Like if you put, and you can put them in the bottom, and you can combine them to make games. Like you combine one with one, you can do like bowling. Yeah, so you have like a switch, and you have like a crank, and you have a key, and, and you can bu- pop them in different spots. There's a button. Right, and a button. You can put them in different spots of the house, and they and they interact with the house depending on what you. And you can combine them to make games and get foods. And if you feed your critter that food, it will turn that color. And you can put the button in the bottom, and then it will shoot out little jelly beans, and it will change the tips of its ears. Right. So you can talk also about get, the games. Um, it was fun. I like it. Let's talk about how creative it was awesome. I mean, you could do some really like, cool things. You could combine this with this, and then, like, like there was a little critter in an airplane car, and you had to try and avoid the bombs and get the little gemstones. And, yeah. And the I should mention, it's a cardboard kit, so we have a cardboard house at this point. You could also decorate I'm it. So, Stickers, markers, all kinds of stuff. I was... So- so wrong about this. There's so much you can. You might look at a piece of cardboard and say, "I'm gonna put that in a recycle bin." But once you get this kit, you're like, "Wow, there's so much you can do with cardboard." Yeah, and it's well thought out. 
It's easy to punch out. Very good instructions. Everything is labeled. So you're eight years old, and you basically built this kit almost completely by yourself. Except for the parts where it was like, there's round. a couple parts, like the part with the rubber band trying to mount it to make the the, yeah. the crank and stuff. But I mean, I would say you did ninety five percent of it by yourself. Yeah. But it took you like four hours. I know, and there was parts like, do you want to take a break? And I was like, nah, uh, I want to finish this thing. Yeah. So, what are your expectations when you I go love back it. and well, what about when you go back and finish the other kits? You think the other kits will be a lot easier? Except for number five, though. Which is what's number five? That's the hardest. That's the what is it? It's a I don't piano. know. Yeah, this is the piano. A working a working cardboard piano. That's amazing. Who would have thought you could make a like video game piano with just cardboard? So, final thoughts on Labo. I mean, what are your recommendations here? If you had not gotten it, go online and say, I want to buy this now. But you got to have a Switch. Yes. Right? It's only on Nintendo Switch. Because only Nintendo could pull off something so creative. Yes. PlayStation, Xbox. They just don't have it. No. That's for kids. Final thoughts. I love it. Love it. Favorite food might be the salty tears of those on Fanatics who cry about anything and everything.